Wait, we are streaming. Wait, no, this is preview. <laughs> Go live. I don't see. You're live. live. We're live. We're live. Hey, hey. What's, hey. Up? what's good? Hey, Platchat episode Let's 158. Try. After we were live for like a minute and Costa enthusiastically talked about this new year celebration how was yeah, the year, new year celebration no, Costa? Not, i don't want to talk about it anymore you where did you go what did you do, do? What do, do? so Come i went again. to this bar down the street from oh, me shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what type of bar shit. was it what type of bar was it scott <laughs> okay it's crazy it's a midwest bar and honestly oh. that sounds ridiculous but it it has like uh like a they're like a bears which which city is the bears from chicago bears Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a Bears thing. And they're Bears fans and their owner's like a big Bears fan. And then they have like pinball and they sell like the like most like average beer you've ever seen in your life. So it's like that's what, what? defines a Midwest bar to me. And my friends who I went with are from the Midwest and they also said it's uh, Midwest bar. So I went and did that. Um Okay. See, that, that makes more sense to me that it's more of a Chicago Bears type of thing than it is. This is Midwest theme. Like we go here, and there's like Wisconsin <laughs> cheese and all this other shit. You know? from the walls. Yeah, no, nah. yeah, yeah that makes a lot of more sense. Is to me hanging now. on the, uh, <laughs> the yeah. You have the 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 esports like. Midwest have you seen Trinity. this man? You got like Doa, ZP. I can't remember who else. I think Monty technically was. Midwest. Was he right? the Midwest? He? I, I love Costa describing Midwest. It's like they have average beer. <laughs> Well, what they do. Like, have you been in the Midwest? What Dude, the it's only so average. What, what do you mean? It is. It's just like very basic ass loggers yeah, that aren't. Right. Very There's good. nothing exciting about any of it. Like, and I know, as I said, rock? before I get Midwesterners in my DMs just giving me death threats, it, it's fine. I enjoy that kind of lifestyle. And, you know, I enjoy drinking mid beer and hanging out with friends every now and then and cranking, you know, American music. You're sounding right. like that's the only, like, the Midwest is the only. Jack, if you being the Midwest, that's literally the, all they do. They, I mean, no, Wisconsin <laughs> actually consumes like the most alcohol do that in the California. US. That is 100% fact. I think that is the last study they did. Is Wisconsin, one of those Midwestern states, I think it was Wisconsin, consumes the most alcohol out of every U.S. Really? State, per capita. Oh. Uh, really? Per, per yeah. capita, okay. Per capita, I believe. I don't know yeah. if it's actually by total volume. But uh, by no, no. Did it well, change? Oh, no. Oh, God. I am looking at a very sus third-party uh, website. Oh, wow. And they've linked oh, okay. me That's to... Uh... Wait, how the fuck? They've linked me to a separate study. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> the people must know. The states mm. that drink the most alcohol in America Ooh. per capita. Oh my god, there's no ranking on the image. Fuck. Uh, wait, actually, I have found New Hampshire. I think this is New Hampshire, and apparently they drink a shit ton yes. of alcohol. Apparently, New wow. Hampshire is the new. I think this the Wisconsin was the old one because this one it looks like was this study was done in like 2020 around then. So New there Hampshire you go. seems to be the new king. New Hampshire, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Let's go. New I don't know what happened. You guys did it. Hampshire, but who's at the bottom? Out of curiosity. That is true. Utah. Utah. That makes Utah. sense. Mormons. What are they, what are they doing in Utah then? Oh, what are they doing in Utah? They have kids. They have like eight kids. That's what they have. Ah, That's what they have. I kids generally meant more alcohol for most people. No, not for them. because Not in Utah? Okay. No, because they're Mormon. Like the whole oh, state was literally like founded by Mormons. Oh, really? So okay. That's, like That's news to me. I don't know yeah. anything about Utah. There was a whole crazy thing, actually. There was like a war, essentially, fought with the Mormons in the U.S. over it. If I remember properly. Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole thing. That went on with you. I'm gonna be real. I, 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 I don't. I really don't know what a Mormon is, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Like I've just gone my whole life not not knowing there, and caring. People that don't like fuck with technology. Yeah, but no, 
No, that is not a Mormon. Oh, that yeah, is, that is not. Was. You're thinking of an Amish person. Slash oh, You're thinking of Amish. A Mormon is just a sect Holy of Christianity. Holy fuck, Joss. Come on. This is it's how we're starting 23. Jesus Christ. Why do you have people listening to us? We have no idea about any. Oh, my fucking God. I have the information. I have it. I'm okay, telling you. It's spill the beans. I just told you. It's a sect of Christianity. Amish and Mennonites are the people that don't really do. Mennonites? The Mennonites. It does sound like a Pokemon, right. but there is, it is like, it's like a, it's like a less strict Amish as far as I understand it. Is really? It oh, well, yeah. The Knights. So there we go. That's a great yes. contenders team name. Yeah. The Mennonites. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Wait, oh, 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 it's spelled differently. It's not Mennonites. Yes, it's, it's M, no, M-E-N-N-O-N-I-T. Oh, Mennonite. Okay. Mennonites. Mennonites. So it's like Chungite, but different. Yeah. Shungai, but different. Yeah. Mennonite, member of the Protestant church that rose from the Anabaptists. A radical reform movement. Okay. Wow. I, yeah. No, we're not talking about this. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> fuck. We might, we might become, we might have to drink uh, as much alcohol as New Hampshire on this episode. Um, good stuff. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed your Midwest bar for New Year's Costa. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's, that's great. Joss, what did you do? I don't think you should ask me this question. Oh, Jack. What okay. Nice. We can skip you. I feel you. like it's going to be sad. I've asked. What no. did you do for New Year's? Okay, that's fine. No, wait, no, no, no. Jack <laughs> wanted to tell his story. <laughs> I, I watched Guy Ritchie films and then went to bed at a reasonable time. Richie, wow. what? Guy Ritchie? Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. You don't Ritchie. know Guy Ritchie? Made like Snatch, Lockstock. Uh, we watched Rock and Roller. Oh, oh, Rock and Roller is nonsense. a banger. Rock and There's Roller all three yeah. of those. Oh, he made good Snatch. Yeah. Oh, I see. Guy, yeah. Guy Ritchie's yeah. a fucking dude, legend. I'm not like I'm not like Connor or like Seth, where I'm like, holy shit, this director, this fucking film and shit. But like Guy Ritchie's like, okay, I fucking his films, I fuck with. They're fun. They're, They're fucking. Fun stuff. Wow, yeah. this guy was married to Madonna. Damn. Yeah. Whoa. Oh. Oh. Day I learned. All right. I've asked, what do you do for New Year's? Time. You went to uh, you went to see your family, right? Uh, I went to Austin to say to to see Sideshow and Bryn and Wyatt. Oh and right, and yeah, the drinking. Oh, yeah. I went to that Austin for awful. a week. Uh, it was it was amazing, but awful for my health. And mm. because <laughs> only right. drinking for a week straight, there was also we just uh, we had a couple weeks off of Korea where we drank for Seth's wedding, incredible amount. And then we did that week. All did a lot of things. There was a guy that offered me Coke in austin he came we sat down at a bar the bar we saw joe rogan at actually we it was white and I. we sat down and he comes up to us and he's like what's up white boys and i'm like what's up <laughs> and then, and then uh, he's like you want a bump and then all of us looking quite confused i think it's because also my hair makes it seem like i do cocaine I think that's part of the reason. You do look like you, you work in the financial sector and yeah. you just do lines to, to stay yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, I don't do cocaine, so I think it would make my heart explode. So I, I said, no, what I, I said, no, we just came from Miami. Clearly lying, but I was like, no, we just came from Miami. We don't need any more cocaine. And he kept asking if you want to do cocaine. And this went on about five to six more times, this roundabout. No, we, kept, we just came back from Miami until eventually he said nothing, got up and left and turned around. And I was like, okay, great talk. <laughs> so... You know, just some t classic tomfoolery that takes place there in the in the Austin area. But yeah, it was a good time. Then I went and saw my family. I actually did, even though I had the options to go to New Year's Eve, I was kind of partied out. I did not want to consume. Also, driving in Texas, 
is awful. like anywhere you go, it's like 30 minutes. Yeah. If you want to go anywhere, it's like a 30 minute drive. And I like, I don't have, I don't want to have to Uber back because Uber prices are fucking crazy right now. And be, I don't want to be really drunk and I have a flight next day. So I actually just stayed home as well. I got hibachi with my family for a, a New Year's Eve dinner and then watch them all watch my youngest brother eat no vegetables because he still eats no vegetables at the age of like 22. <laughs> at the age of 22 <laughs> he just won't eat them like and he's literally i mean it's just crazy i don't know how he's gonna survive he's going to the marines in the next like three months and he doesn't eat veggies so i'm like okay good luck, like, good luck now, I mean, enjoy <laughs> so yeah it was, it was a chill time after that but i dodged the southwest bullet i don't know if anyone was flying around this time but there's an airline oh, no. called southwest oh, yeah. and it fucking exploded i flew yeah. southwest to dallas flew back luckily missed the explosion by like two days so thank god i know people are trapped in the airport wow. for three days over the uh that were flying southwest because yeah, really once it starts like once they start re like missing a few flights right it just like starts snowballing well their system people, their system right? yeah it was ancient it was like archaic they really? literally hadn't updated since like the 90s and this whole winter storm plus everything literally just it fucking exploded so yeah, yeah. probably management in the bad. system was awful yeah it, yeah i traveled yeah. that day as well it was crazy because i arrived at an airport and you go down to like the belts where you pick up your luggage or whatever and there's literal staff just like just like having designated areas for lots of luggage and they're writing down the addresses so they can ship them back to the people who didn't get to fly i, oh, I don't know God. the situation was weird oh or or God. no 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 the, the plane didn't fly anywhere but like the luggage went the checked in luggage came back out of the airport right and so they have to use the band still for that and so they wrote down the addresses and it was like i swear to god at the airport i landed it was probably like 200 bags just like in, in restricted areas by the bands it was crazy it was crazy um but yeah i didn't fly southwest so i, I dodged that bullet too but it was crazy um you, going back to the hair i know what you're talking about with the hair and doing cocaine you know why you, you got a bit you got a Go bit on. you got a bit of uh, a Nicolas Cage look in 2005 oh, with, the hair, with the hair going back. Oh, okay. <laughs> a you know, that's a new one. <laughs> I love Gone in 60 Seconds. Honestly, you're going to look like Nicolas Cage. It's right side by side on my screen right now, and you are pretty much Nicolas Cage. Like, I, it checks yeah. out. See, Legend. this is a new celebrity look-alike now i've been i've been tied to like four different celebrity white men <laughs> at this point and this is nick cage is the, is the newest so i mean i guess yeah we both were got i mean i've got kind of similar facial structure and the slick back hair so like i can sort of see it you know i you could literally there are so many different white hollywood actors and they'd be like this looks like him like okay fair enough i mean like sure why not <laughs> So, so there you go. I'm glad that you... I mean, I hope I could be as infamous as Nick Cage. I want to make like a kajillion dollars from a national treasure movie and then lose it all buying dinosaur bones. Yeah. I want to do that too. <laughs> but Loki, National Treasure, is one of the best films of all time as well. It's a good if movie. You, well, that... Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. It's a fun movie. It's definitely It's a fun, fun. movie. Like, Listen, it's, you cannot watch that movie and tell me you didn't have fun at the end. It's Look, okay. Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy a movie like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I just love how you came out the gates, just like one of the best movies of all time. You gotta go to 100, otherwise people aren't gonna care about my point. So, <laughs> yeah, like, I need to... Because you gotta piss someone off. So, yeah, True. no, it's a good movie, though. Compare that I, to, like, the newest genre of that, like, the Uncharted films with fucking... No, but those Uncharted films. Oh, that that that's so bad. Oh, my National God. National Treasure, still the undisputed best, like, yeah. exploratory, like, national, like, oh, we're finding ancient secrets. Thing. Yeah. Next to, like, Indiana Jones, obviously, which is... 
very old. The first, yeah. uh, the first, uh, what's it called? The Da Vinci Code movie or whatever? That was pretty good. Oh, yeah. The Da Vinci Code. Yeah. 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 But they're kind of Fine. good books, right? So I feel like that's cheating. The second one was not good. <laughs> I like Angels and was... Demons. I didn't like I mean, it as so. much. I, I like Angels was... and Demons. It wasn't, it, yeah. I don't think it was as uh, deep as the first one. It was a lot more just like, felt more escape roomy, but I enjoy those kind of moves. Yeah. What other film uh, opinion should we put out here on? That was <laughs> yeah. a rebrand. The We're new, the new Knives Out mystery, the Glass out. Onion shit. That was not good. Not good. as good as the first. I didn't watch Knives Out. I didn't even watch fun. the first one. I just didn't like Glass Onion. I thought oh, you I, should watch the first one. I, I don't feel like we, we should spoil it yet because it's relatively new. No. It's still on yeah, like Netflix. Yeah. But no, it just, uh, the people, some people on Twitter were just like, oh my God, this was amazing. What a mystery. Wow. And I just like. No, like no, really, I, Johnny. No. You should watch the first one. The first one is the first really, really good. Uh, but this this second one, it was just fun. Like it was a fun yeah. movie, and you should enjoy that. But I agree with you. I saw some people be like, "Glass Onion is a masterpiece." Yeah, and I'm like, uh, "Really? No. Did we no. watch the same movie? Like yeah. it was?" Uh, yeah, as you said, I don't want to spoil it. I'm yeah. agree. I'm agree. I'm agreeing with all. Agreed. This. Yeah. I, I'm agreeing. Agreeing with all of this. Okay, but the first one, like Scott said, is actually good. I hope Knives Out either returns to former glory or stays about the the, the glass onion level because they're gonna yeah. keep making them. Because then it's just like a reoccurring fun movie series. You know, you can go there and be like, I'm gonna at least enjoy myself when I watch it, right? Like it's gonna have a fun time, even if yeah. they're not all masterpieces. They're not all amazing, but like that's. I need more like just movies I can sit down and watch and be like, oh, this is fun. Like National Treasure. Yeah, I need the same See, thing. that's it. Yeah, I need I need some like that. And Knives Out kind of is like that. Glass Onion was Would like you that. say that, that National Treasure walks so that Knives Out could run? No. I don't know if they're quite. How the, the fuck same is it category. comparable, bro? <laughs> yeah, I well, they're both pretty much the same thing. Of like, you know, no, great, it's not. great detective work. Yeah, maybe there's a sputtering of more history in National Treasure, but honestly, I think Nicolas Cage is. I'm pretty Knives sure out. there is Knives more out. defective movies before this. I am almost certain there is like a whole noir genre that existed way before. I'm gonna die on this hill. You guys, kinda, so. you guys should stop pushing me because I will. I think you got it wrong. I think Knives Out is just a shitty 2022-2023 version of Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Twelve and shit like that. No, okay, no, 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 okay, no, no, that's no. Not the same that. like oh, oh we let, let's no, get this let's get no, 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 hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out. It's, it's okay. let's, let's okay, get let's this fucking star-studded cast going and we're going to like do some kind of like a crime thing and like it's unveiled as in like oh hey this is how the plan is gonna go down and then you know there's some unexpected things happening and then it's like some you know tension because like oh are they going to like clear the deadline or are they going to get caught like what's going on surprising stuff like you know a bit of you know stuff like that that's why it's the star-studded cast we're just like holy shit so many great actors in one single movie and then like you know there's a bit of tension there is not, first of all, you're already wrong at your first point. Ocean's Eleven star power is literally infinitely larger than yeah. the Glass Onions. This had, they had Dave Bautista. Not that Dave Bautista's a bad actor. He's probably <laughs> the best, like, wrestler gone actor that's ever really happened. Uh, but, the Rock? Like, the rock? Ocean's the Eleven. Rock. No, 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 no. Dave Bautista's so much better than The Rock. Dave Bautista's so much better than The Rock. I'll die in this hill. I'll die in this hill. I'll die in this hill. Dave Bautista is. He is. The Rock's been playing the same character for 10 years. The Rock's yeah. been playing the same character for 10 years, and it's not good. And it's not good. I know. I will stand by this. Dave Bautista is so much better than The Rock. fucking meathead role as well. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. Dave Bautista, because you missed. He was in. He was in. He was in. He was in fucking. Well, what was it? Not cyberpunk. The um. No, no, no. 
fucking the Blade Runner. He was in Blade Runner as a as a replicant. Actually, in a, in a, it was a small part for him, but it was actually really really good. He's had so much more range so far than the rock has in his entire no, career. Oh my god, you are just 100%. making shit up. No, him, I'm not. I'm literally not. You call I'm literally him the rock not making shit up. One I'm calling the rock a one trick. 100%. You could take a screenshot of his last like 10 films and it's all him in like a brown camo shirt looking like the exact same character. Oh my god. I do, I cannot believe that. I don't know about that, dude. He's the yeah, highest paid actor is, of all time. Heinous. Be, is like, the highest paid? Whoa! I guess Walmart's the best company to ever exist because they make the most yeah, money, right? Like, like, what are you trying to say? I'm Making saying, the most money bro, doesn't inherently make more roles, the best. Bro, that's all I'm saying. And he's in Fast and Furious. He did a good job in that. Well, Fast and Furious were not good films. They were not good films. As a baseline, they were iconic. Iconic. You see how much they box? You see how much they fucking smash box? Have you seen the new one? It's actually the worst it's thing I've ever seen in my it's life. It, they're awful. Hey, the first, the first couple, the first couple were iconic. Yeah, were the best. Well, okay, I went, went back and watched Tokyo Drift. That movie does not hold up well. Whoa, no, no, it hey, doesn't. They're yeah, all no, bad. Shut the real fuck up, Connor. It's not bad. How is it, it is. bad? It's just a fun fucking film about them drifting in fucking Japan. How it's a fantastic thing? film for a fourteen-year-old. Okay. He goes fuck up you, to the Jimmy. fucking like Yakuza or something is that, and he's like, "How do we solve this?" And he's like, "Let's race." And then he's like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't think that's how deals are like, done? Yeah, sure, let's Dude. do it." You just don't know. You just don't know. I, I do know because I, I was like you. I was like. This is one of the best uh, movies from my childhood. It's so good, and I made Sab watch it, and we got like halfway through, and just like Scott, this movie's oh, awful. I'm like, no, it is shot. No, okay, did you lack the self awareness to to be like, oh, this is oh, one of the best oh. films of my childhood, <laughs> Tokyo yeah, Drift. <laughs> You can, it, it, was really one was, my, it was one of my favorite movies of my time. My oh my have not god! Changed since I've you know grown fourteen years older, yeah, still one of the best Listen, films, bro. The best part about Fast and Furious is that it really normalized homoerotic characters on screen. That was the best part of Fast and Furious. There were so much homoerotic uh, undertones with that whole film. You just know at any point Vin Diesel was going to open mouth kiss one of these other <laughs> muscle actors. That was truly the best part. Of Fast and Furious films. Yeah, no, I can really up on board with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, are well, we done? That was a yeah, patch out episode. Good, yeah. Oh my fucking <laughs> That's god! That's the episode. Yeah, yeah, anyway. No, it's chatting. Oh my god. Uh, where where do we start? Uh, let me, let me, yeah, let me, let me get get the script. All right, here we go. Philly Fusion, they're fucking gone. They're gone. <laughs> they're no more. Um. Yeah, I mean, wh what do you say? They just shock everyone, and Philadelphia Fusion relocates and rebrands to Soul Infernal. Uh, Ooh, Philadelphia Fusion shock, is gone. It's gone as we know it. We'll never see Philadelphia Fusion play in the league anymore. Bro. I'm gonna be fuck. I'm gonna keep it 100, Keanu 100 with you. It's it wasn't that much of a fight. They didn't shot. even keep the Fusion, bro. Not Soul Fusion. They're Soul Infernal. Yeah, I think if you're, I don't but think you can, if you're gonna change location, I don't think you're gonna keep the name as well. Uh, I would say that's. I'd say you have to if you're going to go for the rebrand, you go for the fucking full rebrand, not the half rebrand. Like I'm just saying, and I I just don't see this as like a massive shock either, especially as fucking Philly has been in APAC since 2020, right? Yeah. Like, bro, they were going to fucking rebrand eventually. I'm just waiting for fucking Valiant to get off their fucking horses and uh, do that shit as well. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the we are not broke message again. Um, that's what I'm. Oh, waiting that's for. a good one. That is a good one. <laughs>
My favorite, actually, uh, my favorite thing about the rebrand uh, was like the initial post on the Comcast website of all fucking websites, but also the the JPEG or fucking hell, it was like 400 pixels by 400 pixels blown up to an entire like 1080p web page, and it was blurry as shit. Like it wasn't even like a it didn't work on my phone. Like good press release press releases and shit like that. It was like a really blurred image. I was like, come on, man. Like, yeah. give us a bit. There you go. It's fucking tiny, bro. Just what I'm just surprised that they didn't like put out a full like oh PNG fucking transparent is all the fucking things the news posts around the internet. I was a bit like, mm. what well, I, I don't know about that. And it's also be- hidden away on the Comcast website. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, man? my problem that I had was that the entire message read as a PR statement from Comcast. It didn't read as like a yeah. oh big announcement for you know Philadelphia Fusion. Here's all this cool stuff we're doing. It's like the legal yeah. team HR were like got in there and they're like, oh hey guys, hey guys, yeah we moved. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, so yeah we moved. Not like we love Philly. Like we love what we did and yeah. you know, the fans that we garnered uh, being Philadelphia Fusion. You know we have been in APAC etc. But we're now changing to Soul Inferno. We hope we can you know you can continue your support of the brand. Yeah. It, and it kind of, on top of that, it's, I feel like one of the reasons why it was on the fucking Comcast website buried, you know, like that's where you put that kind of stuff. It's not really, I didn't really feel like very, Hey fans, we love you. It felt like anyway, here you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I suppose there's no, there's no like good, good place for like teams to make like big official statements besides like twitter <laughs> like they don't have their own websites what's wrong with the that? overwatch league it's website is not excited, you know I, I don't understand what's wrong with that though twitter being the place where you do announcements and shit like every well, other I mean, team in every game does that I mean, sure but they, i mean there's a world outside of twitter jaws like there you know there there you, is you can't just you like, like make sorry you twitter go and TSM's social media website like, to find out tsm news no you're fucking not you're going to Twitter to find out TSM news. You're going yeah. to Twitter to find out T1, maybe Instagram, actually. There you go. Uh, well, I mean, maybe Instagram. this is a bit of a stretch here, but like, I mean, th- this is still like, a, you know, a, a $20 million buying team that is sponsored by like millionaires and like part of, you know, an Activision Blizzard franchised esports league. You know, like it's at the end of the day, you know, like it's, it's, it's very professional and there's a ton of money in this shit. So you can't just like default to twitter i guess okay I don't know. so what like does comcast own an nfl team like wouldn't it be weird if nfl announced something through like a comcast like channel like in a way and be like oh like yeah. that's how they announce these I mean, kind of things I, I understand that esports and these parent organizations they are like or you know it's more connected and it's more of a, like an investment type thing but at the end of the day we're sports esports but we're entertainment like and this was there's a massive fan base for philadelphia fusion it might not be to the scope of other things that they have but it takes two seconds as jack said to announce it with a picture of the brand with like uh we're excited to make this transition let's you know not come second for the 50th time right like they could have easily done something fun but they just sort of it it felt just very corporate and that's my thing it's not the worst thing in the world it just felt very corporate i would be upset if i was a fan yeah, that's right. I mean, Vegas Eternal, you know, they didn't do a massive thing, but they still did some hinting and, you know, some more yeah. fan-friendly yeah, stuff. They, so, yeah, sure. Exactly. Like, all the graphics that they put out on Twitter and there was, like, time and, like, thought going into that and, like, oh, we're rebranding. Well, we fo- obviously it got leaked, right? But, like, oh, what are we rebranding to? Oh, and there's, there was a small video of them, like, someone on a plane going to Vegas and just those small little snippets they're quite they don't mean a lot in the whole long run but like they they are cool they are like 
substance to something. I mean, I would have liked to see, I maybe actually I'm wrong on this. I don't know if anybody put out a video on the Philadelphia Fusion YouTube channel, um, but maybe they did. I'd have to check, check now. In fact, yeah, if you go check, that'd be great. But making like a small video saying like, you know, like Scott said, joking around, haha, we were second this whole time. Don't worry. <laughs> Do you know what will fix this? A rebrand. Like, there I don't know, some, sh some bullshit like that. Just something silly. Yeah. And I don't, I still don't like the fact that, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're saying this completely, Johnny, but comparing us to traditional sports, because we fucking ain't that shit, bro. We've seen the amount of traditional sports motherfuckers come in and try and make stuff look traditional sports. It just doesn't fucking work. I did We're this shit at ESPN. It, trust me. Okay, it's hold on. Crazy. We're not talking it's about the fucking product, okay? <laughs> We're talking about a fucking official statement from a franchise what? team. In, what are you like saying? That is literally their product, Johnny. Like What? Like, no, I'm talking about sense. the fact that like Activision Blizzard is like a public company and like there's investors in this shit and like the the, the way you in evaluate Overwatch League as like a part of that company and like you know all the shit with earnings and investors and Ooh. it's fucking complicated. It's bigger than Twitter, is what I'm saying. You, so yeah, yeah I'm saying they could have done something additive. Happen. They could have complemented you know the announcement and actually done something for the fans because that would have been a yeah. way better way to communicate with the fan base. But I'm not saying that like you should just like default to Twitter. It's like oh here. It is. Here, here's the post. Here's here's an image of some words. Well, okay. Well, here's, Maybe here's I'm missing something here. Didn't they? They did announce it on Twitter. It just linked back to their announcement, right? Yeah, they so linked to like an official communications channel for the I, main I investor of the team. Yeah. I don't know why we're getting bogged down with this, but I'm just saying, like, you know, I think it's, you know, I I just don't agree with you. Like, I'm with Jack. I don't agree with your point on it. It's like if T1 did that, fans would be pissed and. Uh, well, Soul Infernal is essentially T1, right? Like, you can't... I just think that's a really weird way to announce a major change in one of your, like, big esports teams. Uh, I don't know. Especially seeing as they've been around for five years, and as you said, they've invested $20 million. They couldn't have paid one of their, like, probably, like, you know, dozens of employees to just make a, like, a basic, info, like, graphic put it with it and then at the end of it you could have like a little fucking link that was just like yeah yeah, yeah but i'm saying that's additive to me that's additive i don't think it should be primary i think that's where the separation comes like yeah they could have done a better job communicating with I their fan base and like making the announcement you know more creatively fun and stuff like that but that video i'm not like shocked that, that it was on the comcast website is what i'm saying so at the announcement on the comcast website i think should have been additive over like a big yeah. kind of announcement on twitter and shit like that I mean, sure, you have to make that. I definitely understand your point where, oh, it's investors and, you know, they did invest a lot of money and, like, the sh uh, shareholders of, I guess, Comcast in this instance as well and Blizzard Activision want also to see, like, their fucking however old they are, like, oh, what the fuck's esports? But, like, they want to know what's in that company and what they're doing. Yeah, they're going to put an official thing on their website. But for the fans and the people that are, like, the league... Maybe they don't like Fusion, but they probably want to see what the fuck's happening with Soul Infernal or like who the fuck Soul Infernal are. Um, I'd say that is more of a priority. And then you also have the thing on the side, like, oh yeah, here's the the shelter thing. I just thought it was really weird. It was a really weird way to go about it comparatively to teams like Paris Eternal, which you wouldn't, well, I would expect the fucking opposite, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'd expect Paris Eternal to be like, okay, here we go. But like they actually put a lot of effort into it, where I just don't think, Philly did and for like a big organization that they do care about esports a ton like obviously with t1 and shit like that. but um i just i don't know i expected a little bit more we can all agree it was half-assed it was a weird yeah. it just came out of nowhere and it was not a great announcement and the website was kind of broken and there was no 
I, I now understand. We were, there was a lot of arguing going on, and I didn't understand what the points being made on either side was here. No, it's a, it, And now whatever. we've gotten to the point where I understand it. Now I get it. So you're mad about how they announced it. Yeah. At first, I was like, why did they announce it? On, why did they not announce it on Twitter? But, like, but they did. But then it's like, oh, you mean like, <laughs> but oh, you mean yeah, like how, the, the whole. Sorry, yeah. The, yeah. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, well, here's my, just as a side question, that do you think they did it? And because they didn't care enough, or do you think they did it because they expected a massive PR backlash and were afraid no matter what they did, they were going to get shit on? Probably the you, second thing. No, I don't think you because like I don't. I'm think just asking. I don't believe that's why they did it. I'm rebranding. Most times, people aren't on that unhappy with a rebranding. No, like, people get really pissed about geolocation. Yes, moves. you can tell the I Philly would... fans are really mad about them moving the location. Like Philadelphia, yeah. this is probably the most engaged, one of the most engaged, like organ, like geolocated fan bases. In in the Overwatch again, esports in general, because like I think they're one of the few cases of. I mean, honestly, I think there is some minor success for all of the geolocations of the Overwatch League in terms of like getting people attracted to it that weren't that interested before. Yeah. But Philly had a really engaged fan base, comparatively. I yeah, think. yeah, it was one yeah. of the best fan bases in the league. Yeah, I don't know, maybe like I, I, I to me, I don't think it's purely like just like avoiding the backlash because I feel like. If that if that was the intention, I feel like just being like, well, may as well just cut our losses and fuck them over again by just like not even announcing anything. I feel like that's a bad play. I think this is more as I said, I think it was just like they didn't think about it of like that the fans are gonna be pissed, which I don't understand why. And that's sort of why I'm confused. I, I think if they had actually like done a recorded video and we've seen like CEOs of esports companies do this in the past, like when they break a big announcement, like Hasbro is a good example of like he records a video, he talks through the points and he, you know, tries to be yeah. sympathetic with the fan, yeah. etc. And like had they done that and been like, hey, the reality is we've been operating out of Korea for a long time now, you know, we're leaning Korean rosters and this makes sense for us. And, you know, but we hope you join us in our journey. I think that would have actually made a big difference compared to what the Fusion fan got. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it definitely felt very careless. I'll agree with you there. Also, I mean, this is like very minor comparison, but I hate their logo. It's too close. I, I hate their logo. <laughs> I, I don't like I, I think their logo is just obviously it's not like by any means a copy of the Titans per se, but it looks really close. Like when I look at it from like, it just looks, it just reminds me of the Vancouver Titans logo. I would just, I, you just can't unsee it when you say that. Yeah. I can't yeah, unsee yeah. it. I can't unsee it. And like, so that's my, and also I think technically if we continue by the naming scale that someone else pointed this out, like, since like mm. we have like the dynasty, the fusion, and stuff like that, it really shouldn't be like infernal. It should be like inferno. But like either way, like this is. I mean, I get why they did this. It makes sense for them logistically. It's just I don't know some minor nitpicks here and there. But like, how, and definitely, I mean, if Paris, Eternal, I think Jack was definitely right on that respect. And Custo was like, if Paris Eternal do put more effort into announcing their low their move than Philadelphia Fusion. That is fucked up. Like, that is actually <laughs> fucked up. Like, 100%. That is, like, actually, like, holy shit, I can't believe it. Like, that's crazy. I quite like the logo, to be honest with you, but it is too close to uh, Titans. And that's just on the, on the spikes, on the kind of, like, out to, I guess, it looks like fur, right? On the outside of it. Yeah. I wish it was a little bit that of orange. More rounded. This yeah, is sure. an homage. Yeah, homage, yeah. yeah. Also, isn't this like our fourth or fifth like red team? Or well, we it, it could be worse. They could be our thirteenth blue team. Yeah. So. <laughs> Are they gold though? Is it like gold? It, it, like this. It doesn't uh, seem. Tan. It looks like tan. Gold? 
Well, like I don't think they'd get. I don't sure. think they'd get gold necessarily because like Dynasty, they're in the same home market. Dynasty already has gold in theirs. Like I'm sure no, there's like some Dynasty checks, is right? primary gold, right? This That's true. Like I mean, I still feel like they'd probably be like if we're the second soul team. We'd probably sure, don't yeah. want to like throw gold. I mean, that makes sense. like maybe if there's like four teams, then yeah. also I don't understand. There's a lot of people's takes, and I totally understand, but like everyone's like, why didn't they go to Busan? And I'm like, bitch, what do you mean go to Busan? All the people and the money and infrastructure is in Seoul. In like, Seoul, yeah. like obviously then, if this is like football, sure, we'd go to we go to Busan, but like we're not it's not football. Like it's it's all I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, someone that has more information, I'm almost certain, besides like GC Busan, <laughs> like every single like major esport organization based out of Korea is based out of Seoul. So it's like, because it just makes the yeah. most sense. I don't so have intricate knowledge about insight. that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would just assume based on like everything I know and what I know, because I know T1, Jinji, like a lot of those contingent organizations, like O2 and stuff, even though they're like, obviously like Element Mystic, et cetera, like when they operated, like all, like so many of they're these major- Seoul, yes. They're Seoul. It's all because that's where the people are. That's where the fan base is. It's where the infrastructure is and the money. Like, you're not gonna go. I don't. Under, I understand people are like, well, we need another city. I'm like, sure, but like, w what is Busan like? Seoul has way more people Bu and fans. And Busan money. is I the second say, largest city in Korea, small... though, and it is quite yeah. like large. It's not like a it huge is, step but down, it's, but it's still not like. But when you can think of the market that Overwatch League is working with right now, like Seoul just makes more sense across the board. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah. say, uh, you know, I I just threw this tweet out that I was like. You know, let's get Ellie Valiant to rebrand to Busan. And I was, you know, half kidding, but at the same time, I was like, well, if we got a, if we got a third Korean team, I, I don't think we need a third Seoul team. Sure, then you yeah. probably go I like mean, Busan. like, I could see a Busan then potentially. I mean, personally, I think because of how huge Seoul is, it's almost because you have to think about also the market of Korea, right? If Korea is going to be a very big focus to APAC, like, there's not that many, like, really major, like, big major hubs outside of, like, Seoul and Busan, right? Like, in terms of, like, where you're going to put a geolocated team attached. Yeah. So I think it's like kind of, I think it's, you know, just the unfortunate reality of like how the market is working, right? There you was know? at one point uh, a push from Incheon and Busan as like major cities to get into esports. And I think GC Busan Wave was one of those like uh, pushes from Busan at least. And Incheon White Whales too from Apex. Uh, but I guess they've diverted away from that now. because I know they wanted to invest initially. But yeah, I, I guess not so much anymore. And I would have, I would have assumed um, that if they did approach Busan now with a team, if they're just not interested, well, I, I I don't know if this actually fucking happened, but in my own little fancy world, I guess if you do approach Busan, the local government there, and be like, hey, are you still fucking interested in esports? We've got a fucking Overwatch League team coming in. Like, I'm assuming they would have jumped on that real fucking fast if they wanted to uh, still pursue esports. I know they were doing that. A while ago, at least. Um, yeah. But they do host a lot of shit. There you go. They've yeah. hosted, Busan's hosted so many fucking esports tournaments. Seems like, like a cool back city. In the day. Like, yeah. uh, they do, they did do a lot of, like, StarCraft tournaments on the beach. Like, Monty and Doa casting StarCraft on the fucking beach, which is ridiculous. Um, but the city in itself, I'm not sure how much they want to invest more into esports, I guess. Especially with soul infernal like i said it seems like a prime opportunity for them to jump on that so maybe they're not really interested in that shit anymore i don't know i mean who knows and within chan so. yeah yeah who no, knows that was just a minor thing i saw when people were like complaining about the soul teams it's like well it's like there's like two major big cities in all of south korea and seoul has like three times the population of the next biggest city oh is it like, really three times 
It's fucking humongous. Seoul is like incredibly yes. dense. Seoul, oh, it's, it's like Tokyo to Japan, essentially. Yeah. It's like, it's oh, just wow. it's such a like... humongous city. My apologies. The thing with basing a team out of Busan 2, if you're actually going to host them there as well, if they want to go to Seoul and play in a studio or like contenders or whatever, you have to take the KTX or you have to drive. And it's like, what's the point? You know, so like everybody's already fucking there. SKT or like uh, T1, sorry, and uh, Genji, etc. Doesn't you know, make like sense. Them one. You're like, okay, like, you know, let's get on the fucking KTX to go to Contenders, boys, or let's go to fucking KDX and get the fucking uh, get to the studio. Like, it doesn't really make any yeah. sense, um, relocation wise. Yeah. So, how do you think? So, how, how do you think this team impacts uh, the league as a product? Okay, so we have two teams now in Seoul. We've had two teams in LA before when the Valiant were actually playing. In the North American region as well. The Valiant Gladiators like rivalry was pretty entertaining. And I mean Shock and Gladiators rivalry is also like pretty tense already. So how do we think the product is? Do we think there's a also do we think there's as a sidebar? Do we think there's a Soul uh, Infernal versus Vancouver Titans rivalry now as well because of the logos? <laughs> how do we <laughs> how do we Probably think uh, no. the move away from fusion impacts like the product and the matchups and stuff like that? Seems better from a story perspective initially, right? Because Soul versus Soul is quite fun. Like you said, LA versus LA and now San Francisco versus Gladiators, which is kind of sick. I think in general, like it was is always ridiculous to say the Philadelphia fusion up against uh Soul Dynasty. Like, dude, come on. It I I, I can't imagine many people were like, yeah, Pog, Philly's playing an APAC, you know, as a team with a team name is Philadelphia. Like it didn't really make much sense. Um, so I think it just like very High, le not high level, sorry. Very like just across the board, like as a broadcast storyline. Yeah, sure. Soul and Soul versus Infernal versus Dynasty is way better than a uh, Dynasty versus Fusion. I just don't think City matters if you're not going to play in person. Like, I, I like, especially when you're, I, I think it worked quite well when we were in like an arena and people are playing together and that kind of stuff. It, it gives something people to like cheer for and like your team rivalry. I think when everything is almost purely online, I don't think rivalries exist anymore because of the regions in which they're representing. I think it's more like you said, the gladiators and the shock. That's not because it's a battle for California in any way. It's just because they're two of the best teams. I, True. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just not like sold that. That is like the important thing, and I don't, I don't think it really matters. Like, I think T1 being in Seoul is fine because they they exist in Seoul. It's one of the major cities of Korea. I agree. If there was going to be another one, they should probably go to Busan, especially if they don't have ties to Seoul. Um, but end of the day, like, as a, at the end of the day, I just want teams to be more successful, and if they think they can do that by existing in Korea, I think that's just better for the league. Um, for me, I just want to know what the fuck is going on in APAC of like what what yeah okay they're going to exist like soul two soul teams are going to exist is APAC just going to run like it was last year how's that going to work with the Chinese teams I don't want to get ahead of ourselves but we just found out that like all the like a couple of the Chinese teams have come back into activity and been like hey we still exist you know Shanghai Dragons re-signed moons so what does that look like in comparison to these soul teams yeah I mean I I personally don't think this rebrand you know, before we hop on to the next point, change anything at all because Fusion had been operating out of Korea anyways for what, the past like essentially two years. Yeah. Um, so like this doesn't even change anything about how the league looked because of how they've been working for the most part anyways. The biggest thing is that it removed a really passionate fan base, I think, and like the connection to like the Fusion brand throughout Overwatch League, which I think is kind of, I think a big loss. Um, 
because this is one of the few instances, like I said, where I feel like geolocation really did get people invested was the Philadelphia brand. And I don't think geolocation doesn't matter at all. I just think the way that it happened in the scale of Overwatch League and also when we, uh, from the get-go, when we let a bunch of multiple, like when we let like two LA teams happen versus like having more teams in other locations, we'd already essentially given up on like, okay, geolocation really was never going to get that big because we'd already said like, we'll have two teams in this place. We'll have one team represent all of Florida. Anyone notice how mayhem is not tied to a city. It's just all of Florida. It's, <laughs> it's just Florida mayhem. Like, uh, like essentially the the concept itself had already been given up on from the start so there was no way that it was ever besides the other logistical flaws please cat get out of the way besides the other flaws there was uh no way that it was ever really going to work but i think geolocation had some success over watching i think there are people that are interested in the sport esport because of geolocation it's just it's never really going to matter that much because i think because i said the battle for la no one actually gave a shit about the battle for la they gave a shit because the valiant and glads were in it and at the time they were two of the better teams with like really cool like marketing and players and such. Well, okay, I, I'll actually want to disagree with that. Is I think the Battle for LA was hype because we were both in LA, right? Like that is the only reason it mattered because fans were actually sure. There. But also, but I'm not. But once again, it wasn't because like. But that could be the same for everything, right? Is like we could have had a land anywhere, and like yeah. the Battle for LA would still probably have fans. Obviously, you're right because it was located in Los Angeles, it mattered more. But that that's the whole point of like how the geolocation model was already. It kind of was fucked from the get-go because he never really pivoted hard to those home stands necessarily. And even if we did, it would have caused the host more issues. So, I don't know. I I'm mostly just disappointed Fusion as a brand being gone. That's it. I think this makes doesn't impact anything. I think, it, like, Fusion was already essentially an APAC team. They've been that way for a while. Like, none, none of that changes. It's yeah. all... And also, I think Korea needed more dedicated Overwatch League teams. It's just a fact. All the players, like, so many of our players, like, 70% of the players or whatever from all of Overwatch League history more potentially yeah. than that it's have ridiculous. come from Korea. They've been so huge in the impact of the game. They obviously have a big history in esports in general. There's a lot of infrastructure there for it. Like, Korea needed more teams. That's just a fact. Now, did we have to lose Fusion for it to happen? Uh, I don't know, but like, that's what occurred. So, I think it makes a lot of sense across the board. I'm just, I'm just upset for the Fusion fans because I think the Fusion fans, they were, my mo they were the fans I had the most fun trolling. And I've lost that forever now constantly talking about how philly was always going to shit the bed and constantly watching how they shit the bed and fans be always being mad at me of where i place them in power rankings i'm gonna i'm gonna treasure those memories forever i'm always gonna treasure that and i've lost it now i can no longer piss off fusion fans and that's perhaps the greatest tragedy of them all so i want i want to backtrack a little bit because i feel like we were kind of actually like beating around the bush between the big conversation here and all of you were sort of like hinting at it is is geolocation like a failure like should, should we just like move on is it clear to you guys that if we're going to primarily spend most of our time online which i don't think we're going to realistically move away from as well because of like how much it saves your budget and how much easier it is for these teams especially like trying to generate revenue and be sustainable like i don't think it's realistic for us to have like constant weekly you know land matchups and so most of it is going to be online where we have hopefully local you know in-person tournaments at least but with that in mind, with most of our play being online, should we just like move away from geolocation brands? Does it not make sense for our product? What do we think? We've been doing this for like five years now, going into our sixth year, and I feel like we've had the, the data and the history to sort of know what we're talking about at this point. I think it's a, a pat on the back. Nice try, son. Nice try. And then we kind of pivot to something a little bit more like universal. I really... I'm really for the idea of keeping the team name, or at least half of it, removing the city, and then having the other half being the brand that actually owns the team. 
So like Atlanta so, Face in Call of Duty. Atlanta Face in COD, yes. So like, or, well, Atlanta Phase, or you could have the other, what was the fucking Atlanta Phase before they were Atlanta Phase? Were they something different? I don't, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, they just would have been Phase. At the inception, okay. they were always Atlanta Phase. Oh, they were always, okay. So yeah. I'll give you an Overwatch example. You either have uh, T1 Soul or Soul T1, or you have Infer uh, Infernal T1 or T1 Infernal. So it would be like C9, Spitfire, Spitfire C9, or like something like that. Um, and that way it gives the brand itself, the, the operating companies a like, Hey, Hey, it's fucking us. It's C9, it's T1, it's, um, Gen G, whoever, but you also kind of keep that, that name that was given to you or like come up with it within the Overwatch league. And then they're, they're still like, well, you can still wear your fucking soul jersey, you know, you can still wear your Titans jersey, whoever. And if you don't want to, if teams that don't have like a traditional, like not traditional, like traditional sports, but like traditional esports C9 one whoever you get to i guess keep your name or just have a single name like um, the titans for example um you could just have that uh, or you if you really wanted you can still keep the vancouver Titans. i'm very much in favor of doing something like that to give like the brands behind the teams a bit more recognition in that way because like you said i don't think we're going to go back to a point where we're going to have a season one season two like oh we're in la we're in a fucking studio we're doing all this shit and it's just not going to happen. I think in general, it's more sustainable to have online games. That's just the reality of things nowadays. Uh, look at like almost any uh, uh, any league right now, I guess, apart from League of Legends and Valorant, but I guess they're very different beasts. Although I'd love to be in a situation where I get to go to a studio in LA and cast live with my, with my partner. I just don't think that's realistic um, at this point. So yeah, I'm not like... If they went away tomorrow, the names... San Francisco, for example, um, I wouldn't be, I'd be like, eh, that's fine. As long as you get to kind of have the name that you want, maybe represent your brand a little bit more. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think as well, I, I don't think geolocation is bad, especially if it's like as a core. I, I Obviously, it's a remnant of we were going to do homestands where geolocation was going to be leveraged a lot more than it is now and it will be in the future. So I agree with Jack. It was they gave it a good old college try, and it didn't work. Um, so, but I think you they would get more value from allowing these endemic brands to be able to represent themselves. Um, I think there is a lot of people who are probably aware of who Cloud Nine is and potentially like Cloud Nine teams who aren't aware that the London Spitfire is represented by Cloud Nine. Like that, I, I think. Not everyone is just following every single Cloud9 brand, but they would understand it. It's the same thing as we have a lot of endemic organizations that I think a lot of people probably don't recognize exist in the Overwatch League. And as a casual fan coming in who likes esports, if you came into the Overwatch League, this is how I do things. I look for teams that I like. If Liquid exists in an esport, I usually cheer for that team just by default because I really like the Team Liquid brand, right? So it's like, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would do the same thing if that existed in the Overwatch League. So I think it'd be cool if they could start allowing, you know, rebrandings moving forward of, you know, London C9s, the London Cloud Nines or something like that. I don't know. I think they should give the keys to the teams because when it was first happening, we were aware they weren't allowing teams to put their, their endemic brands in the teams. But then COD League came along and yeah, now we have, you know, the Atlanta phase. So it's like, well, which one is it? So I think if they gave the freedom to the teams to be able to rebrand in that way, then I think it'd be cool. But 
I don't think it's the biggest deal right now. I think we have a lot more pressing issues. There's also precedent for this too, in a way, right? Where you have CG enters Blaze, CG enters Frost, like in uh, 2000, what? <laughs> Holy shit. 2013, 2014. Remember those years? Holy fuck. But fuck, like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like they're, old, they're old Korean League of Legends teams where like it's the name and then you have like a sub name. They stopped this because uh, uh, Riot were like, you can't have sister teams in the fucking league because you just total talent and then it's just CG enters Blaze versus CG enters fucking Frost. But like, I, I would say there's like precedent there for um, having like a, a two name thing, but also it be... Wait, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, if, if but, you know, uh, to help you out, like if you want to go like really I mean. far back, you'll even go back to like CGS, which was like a Counter-Strike, you know, league in oh, 2007. Yeah. Okay. And they had like, you know, Los Angeles complexity, <laughs> Dallas yeah, Venom. Exactly. So they, I mean, and, you know, I, 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 this was before my time. Like I sort of like started learning about esports in like 2008, 2009. So I just like, you know, came in on the back of this and, you know, learning, you know, following like Sir Scoots or whatever and Baker and those people who were like kind of around the scene back then, they, they, you know, had their very firm opinions about whether this was a success or a failure. Um, I, quite honestly, I wasn't around to watch it or witnesses, but there were tons of like many different other fucking problems with this league too, like the, the format and like they, they competed like cross games as well. So it was like Counter-Strike, but also like F FIFA and it was the same team and it was like fucking weird. And then they modified the rule set to like fit into TV with commercial breaks. It was just, actually, that's kind of what we did. Anyway, <laughs> the, anyway, so like, I, I don't know like if there's any correlation, but like there, you know, they had like Los Angeles complexity, which is when you think about it, like yeah. fucking hilarious, uh, considering complexity is like a legendary organization, but, um, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of half-assed to do like Los Angeles complexity. I I feel like I'm I kind of like either you do it like all the way or you just like why don't we just yeah, like do I, Cloud Nine hundred teams? That's what I'm saying. Like, because you do Infernal T one or T one Infernal. I don't. I just think you scrap the city name completely if you're going to go that route. If you're going to like let them represent themselves, I just don't think you have the city in there. And I do think there's some merit in like what you were saying, Scott. Oh, you know, Boston fans supporting Boston, like Washington Justice, for example. I think is a really good example of this where they have their Washington Justice watch parties in their uh, practice area. And we always see every now and then there'll be feeds of the Washington Justice practice area and that um, the players are in their little room and then there's fans outside watching them on the TV, but they're also right next to them. And that's really cool. And those like small activations are fucking sick. And it's one of the best things I think Justice have done, um, especially to help the fans be more connected with their players when we're in this online environment. Um, so you could definitely argue that mm, it will probably take away from those, some of those experiences because maybe those fans got into the justice because they live in Washington and they're like, oh, you know, I'll root for my local esports team or a local Overwatch team in this example. But I don't know, it, it's so difficult to actually quantify how much impact those city names actually have. And I think unless we like unless we actually make that drastic move we're never gonna fucking know there's no one that can quantify that information i mean it's just so hard there's arguments for either side um yeah so uh matthew who has uh been a member for 18 months to that chat thank you for that um he says as well geo-based teams are huge for esports having 130 rain fans packed into a bar screaming and chanting doesn't happen without the city attached so yeah. there, it's actually been quite interesting because we, you know, we haven't had this geolocation franchise thing happen in esports for so long. Since, you know, before before our time, there were people who tried it, as I just showed. 
but like there were a lot of fans of the Overwatch League who are fans of their teams because they live in that city and because they have that connection and there are watch parties attached with that. I can't tell you whether it's, you know, a, a net pro or a con to the league to have that, but there's certainly been like a sort of a functioning um, way for the league to grow by getting some of these fans involved within the city. And there's been cool watch parties and people go to events and stuff like that. But I guess the question is like, will that continue at like good enough of a rate to justify it in this new online era like sure 2018 2019 there were a lot of progress in that regard we were looking forward to home stands but as you mentioned earlier now in the new era is is that like a sustainable way for the league so i actually wanted to ask you connor because you've been you, you have more um knowledge about the valorant scene and it, it's quite interesting still if you like talk about valorant teams who are competing at the the, the highest level, it is a little bit different because there are a lot of successful nationalities, a lot of successful countries who have their own teams, whereas us, most of our player base is quite honestly really sick, uh, talented Korean players. But it still feels like teams within the Valorant ecosystem have a lot of identity when it comes and connection to the country. You know, we think about the Brazilian teams, some of the European teams. Do you think that's a valid comparison or do you think they're just like completely separate games? In that regard. I mean, it's a compare. Are you so the, the specific comparison is geolocation to nationality links? Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm basically asking. Like, I, I feel like Valorant teams, because of the fact that you have so suc many successful nations, where it's Japanese teams or Brazilian teams or stuff like that, which again we don't really have, but they're still proving that there is very much a way for you to have a connection with a local sort of country and perhaps even a city. Um, despite the fact that you are not strictly like officially geolocated within that, um, 100%. Sort of I mean, well, I mean, I think it's kind of cope for some people. And I think some endemic esports people cope a bit about like how popular the endemic esports brands are. And the reality is they're not that big in the grand scheme of things. Like when you think of like how big real sports teams are, like huge traditional sports teams and like national ties and such. Like, I mean, even there's a reason why the World Cup always dwarfs every for any sport dwarfs like the professional leagues generally because it's just a far bigger base of people correct um so i, I definitely think that geo and like i think i said this a bit earlier geolocation the way that overwatch league did it i think they kind of didn't really do it the right way but i don't think geolocation was a failure we clearly did and we identified there are fan bases dedicated to geolocated teams i think people so many endemic people got their panties in a bunch over like, oh, geolocation, what about T1? And I think it's because endemic people were like, well, we built these brands and now we're losing that brand to like a geolocation identity, right? Which I think is a very fair point. It's like you're asking us to invest the money, but we lose our brand. Like, so you want us, T1, to buy a spot, but we don't can't put our name on the spot, right? Um, and so I think that's like where, it, that's why I think COD League did it a lot better, where it's geolocated, but you have a company attached, like the Atlanta phase, you know? Um, I think that's like personally, uh, and even like the LA Thieves, etc. Like I think that's where like it, it's a good merge between the two almost. But national fan bases are pretty huge. I mean, even seeing like CS, like CS for example, there was like that Brazilian major that happened that was run by like Gauls, I think a while ago, and it was uh, pretty much like the Brazilian fans showed up. They really wanted to cheer their teams. They were really it was the first like really big like one of the very very big like very brazilian centric not the first but one of the you know very very big brazilian centric event and like a lot of the brazilian fans showed up and then like when other teams started to advance past the brazilian teams they lost interest right the the crowd thinned out say and then i think valorant it's a little bit different because of the fact that like it's so international currently they've done such a good job making it international 
that there is still a lot of fan bases around. But it's a definitive fact that, like, when you compare it, when Japanese teams are out of APAC or out of the national competition, and especially the, and the same with Turkish uh, teams when they're out of EMEA, when they've been eliminated, there's a huge drop in viewership often because those regions in particular are very, very involved and they're very interested in seeing their nationalities and their, their, their you know, fellow players from that country succeed. So at the end of the day, tying esports to something like a nationality or geolocation is inherently a bigger market than just esports. Liquid will never be bigger than Japan. Liquid will never be bigger than, like, you know, France, right? Like, it's just never going to happen. Um, so there is definitely something to be said about And the same could be said about, like, you know, even cities. Um, so I think that there's still value to be had with the geolocation model. And Overwatch League, it just needs to be shifted, potentially. I don't think it needs to be, like, a hard, like, model. I don't think it needs to be, like, as hard, this hard line as we were expecting when the League first launched. But I'm, I'm also open to changing it in different ways. But I, personally, I think reverting back and giving it to the endemic teams like just giving them full-on like t1 just has full control of the naming slot versus like you get to have your brand in there but also it's tied to something because it's a pretty big system shock if we completely revert how overwatch league has been for what five years now and i still think there is value to be found in that it's just we were way too hard line i think with the inception of the idea and how it was envisioned to be in this like nfl style system um, I still think there's value to be found there. I, I, and because also I just don't think, personally, as the current stands, I don't particularly think that any. I don't find I find it very unlikely unless the esport brand is very much attached to like we make an effort to make it super nationality based. I don't see esport brands in the next twenty years ever being bigger than like that aspect. I just don't currently, and it's not because esports are not going to be big or succeed. It's just it's always just a bigger market to be attached to a city or a nationality generally to have that connection. All right. Here's my question then. Do you think that they need, we need to have that with the world cup coming back? Do you think that is the major thing that could sort of leverage a lot of people back into like cheering for those teams? Because especially in esports, I think you have this unique thing where people attach to players a lot more rather than individual teams. Yeah. So I think like world cup and that nationality could draw a lot of fans in. Cause I know like so many people who say all the time, I'm a fan of Overwatch esports because I watched the World Cup one time, had so much fun, and now I watch it. But my favorite player is Kevster, right? Because, you know, I loved what he did for Team Sweden, and now I follow him around. Like, I think a lot of those holes can be filled, like that nationalistic pride can be filled with Overwatch World Cup. And I think it's difficult for the league to leverage that as well. Uh, as you said, no, very few international teams other than a South Korean team has ever really been super effective. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, World Cup is great, except for the fact, and I think it's a great addition, except for the fact that, like, okay, we have one World Cup a year, um, and then after that, goodbye all the other countries that don't ever really compete in the Overwatch League, right? Like, the thing is, like, World Cup is great, but, like, none of those players in the current ecosystem are currently really, like, there's no, there's, like, a lot of those players don't that we're going to see in the World Cup probably won't be in Overwatch League either for most countries. And yeah, but those, a lot of those countries also aren't going to qualify. Sure, but but the point being there is that like World Cup is one way to leverage it, but like it can't be the only way in Overwatch simply because we don't have enough going on in the Overwatch League and the other part of the ecosystem. Like there's nothing else that's leveraging any of those national identities other than World Cup, and that's once a year. And a lot of those players, because they don't compete in Overwatch League because there's not enough support in their ecosystem or because they're just from a smaller region or there's not good enough, right? Like there's a lot of different options there. We're not getting any of that tie-in to the rest of the year, nor are they able to improve to compete at the World Cup stage because they're not really competing at the highest levels before then either. 
Um, so like World Cup is great. It should happen. I love it. It's an amazing product. Everyone agrees it's great and awesome. It's something that Overwatch needs. It's just not the the only. It simply can't be the only way we're gonna simply leverage that connection, right? Because it, there's so many players that don't have the opportunity to compete at the main stage for the other nine, eight, nine months of the year to be good at the World Cup and to have that ecosystem. So, yeah, so you so you said that uh, you know a problem with the World Cup is that it kind of like comes and goes, and like those players come and goes, and then you don't really see them in the Overwatch League, so it's kind of temporary. Do you think it's kind of uh, a mistake for uh, Overwatch esports to not? leverage and like identify how powerful the Overwatch World Cup is and not expand upon that product meaning like oh, more qualifiers percent a million hundred percent the way we did it remember that first year where we had like the four different stages like going throughout the world we had like Paris Australia like we traveled throughout the whole world and had the different qualifiers and, shit, and we could see like all the fans at the various locations like that was World Cup was humongous now I'm pretty sure that cost like ten jillion dollars. It do. was so, not. Yeah, I don't know yeah. the money, but like a, a lot of people were like, cheap. "Oh, this, it was ridiculous." I heard the stories. A lot I know Nate was when people out of control. It. He was throwing out dollar bills and the fucking like he was just going like crazy, like uh, crazy dude, should happen. Dude, the, the fucking Australia were a World Cup qualifier. It was a fucking qualifier, and we stayed at like a fucking five star hotel casino in Sydney. It was like, oh. Dude, Dude, we, my apartment for like two two people, like me and Tick or whatever, had a fucking kitchen in it. Or that's how big the hotel room was. It was five star. Like, dude, there's no like that was just silly. No, it costs it, it way was too much. Silly. That's the thing is like we could definitely still expand upon that aspect and pick smaller locations, less expensive locations. But it's a very clear fact that that was the, also one of the most hype World Cups because it had such a ridiculous scope to it. And like. Obviously, that's kind of the span, the span of everything, right? It's like, the more money you spend, the more you can generally get. But there is a middle ground to be like, if we have slightly more investment and a slightly... Like, you're going to have to invest more money than you currently do. But also, you can pick cheaper locations and cheaper venues and find ways to mitigate that. And But the reality is, there's no way to expand the scope of it without spending money, right? That's just the end goal. You know, that's just like, that has to happen. You can't, you can't make something bigger without giving something <laughs> in return. Well, I right. think there's some argument to make. Sorry, Costa, you want to go? No, on? no, no, no. Sorry, you. No, I was I, just gonna I, say, like, I think there's an argument to be made that, like, well, hey, I mean, World Cup is one of the most successful products Overwatch Esports has ever had. Let's give them, you know, some extra budget because holy fuck, like one of the most recent World Cups is just like, hey, let's let's have teams like fucking what was it, like fifty teams just like fly in and just have like a one week tournament and that's it. Like, no. No, spread it out. Multiple qualifiers, like you said. Hell, do it online. Do like a European qualifier, and then you can have like the Asian teams qualify and like stuff like that. There's ways to expand on that product and the way teams qualify and have broadcasts throughout the year, okay? Not make it like a quick kind of like side thing to the Overwatch League, which would be really helpful for the scene. Well, that is kind of what they're planning on doing with this year, right? So it's I think that's, I think they're definitely going in a positive direction of like they're leveraging World Cup over a longer period of time with like the autom like the thing where anyone can sign up, open qualifiers for each country, and then uh, then the countries qualify online, and then we have sixteen teams, and then we go down eight teams with BlizzCon. So I agree they're going in the right direction, but at the end of the day, I'm going to use this moment to beat my drum again. Of we need more the Overwatch League should not be a global league. It should be a regionalized thing. Like every yes. fucking other esports does it. The reason Avast says the Brazilian fans are so excited all the time is because Brazil just wants to beat anyone. It doesn't even matter who. As long as they, and they get behind that country pride of like, this is a team. It doesn't, they don't even have to all be Brazilian. It's like, they want to support 
whichever team is coming out of their region. And that would exist a lot more in the Overwatch League. If we had, even just keep it simple, we had a North American region, we had a European region, a Korean region, and a Chinese region, and they clashed, you know, and we sent two teams from every region, there would be so much nationalistic pride. Even if the North American team was full of Koreans, I think there would still be this nationalistic pride of this team is coming out of our region. I'm cheering for this team. And I think we don't leverage that enough. And that is some of the most successful esports that exists right now. You look at Valorant, you look at League of Legends. That is why Worlds is enormous. It's because I don't give a fuck which NA team goes to Worlds. I know they're going to come last anyway, but I'm probably going to cheer them on anyway just because they're from my region. And that's what is not leveraged enough by the league. I was going to say, you're literally describing how League of Legends does it right now. Yeah. Um, and that is that is some of the most exciting shit, honestly. Like, I'm not... I used to cast League like a ton, but obviously don't anymore. But, like, even when I did, I didn't Re I sorry even now although I don't cast it I don't really follow it a crazy amount I still cheer for some of the EU teams that make it to worlds and I'm like holy shit how far can fucking EU go this year and it's not like oh how far can I don't know Fnatic go this year it's how far can EU and that's yeah I 100% agree with you Scott like having that regional pride is is I think is very important um, and I think a lot of Especially in North America, at least you you know North America already get fucking dumpstered at Worlds, and it's always fucking funny. And like the rest of the world, who like fans of the other regions, always fucking laugh because NA Near talks airport. big fucking well, smack. <laughs> and then like yeah, fucking what does NA stand for? Near the fucking airport, boys. Like that that that's funny shit. And there's a lot of memes and a lot of kind of um, a lot of the culture comes from that, and that's what makes it so exciting. And having these mid-season kind of tournaments which is to be fair what is kind of what we're doing right now in the way that we had the, the mid-season madness with both regions playing against each other not in one place obviously which kind of fucking sucks but we still have that clash and that is one of the more exciting aspects of the year is holy shit we are finally gonna see what the fuck apac cooking and is it good versus uh na i mean what i think you know, one problem with APAC is that it's kind of not APAC. It's, you know, Korea and China. You know, we're yeah. not really leveraging much else uh, within that region. So, you know, what, what if we had a, you know, a team from Japan or, you know, Australia or, you know, Thailand, something like that. Uh, we have, we have, well, I guess we have one European team now in the North American region, which doesn't make sense, like the Western region or whatever. But like... We're not really trying to leverage all of these different scenes. We're strictly a North American product, feels like, and, uh, you know, Korean Chinese product. Um, and, you know, if, if you look at it kind of, um, I, don't, I don't know what the word is here, but like at the end of the day, they were trying to get investors. They were trying to get buyers. And that's where the money is, right? That's where like most of the money was. And they, they pull it off. They got the investors, stuff like that, right? If you want to get an organization from, I don't know, France, like it's harder to find $20 million from an esports organization in France or an investor in France who's willing to bet on this stuff because it's inherently smaller and stuff like that. So so I guess the problem almost is like, I don't, I don't think a, region, a strictly regionalized esports ecosystem is short term um viable for us like i don't think you can just like snap your fingers and well bam overwatch league is now regionalized because you have this franchise infrastructure and like the contracts and the branding and like it's so such a big workload to like move away from that just like overnight but i but i am kind of like I guess surprised in this day and age that we're just like strictly tied to 
the USA with a few Canadian teams and Korea and China. And we're not really, you know, investing anything in the, you know, the Latin American region or, you know, even the European region or the rest of the Pacific region to try and get some of these other nations involved and try to get, you know, a global fan base involved. So if you want to make, you know, the money argument, fair enough. But like, it's sort of not helping us out and it's not helping the product out. So... I guess I think my... we're in too deep, though. Would you not say uh, we've gone this far along? It feels like the whole thing would have to be reworked. And I think you say that we could just say, oh, it's money. But like, that's it. That is the main issue here is that we'd have to find more teams in different regions. And then how do we handle those regions? Are they going to be buy-ins or are they going to be like... No, so I mean, I, so yeah, yeah, so let me clarify. Like, I think the soul, the soul infernal relocation. Okay. You know, kind of makes sense. All right. I've asked, said it earlier. Huge population of our player base in the Overwatch League is Korean. So it makes sense to have multiple teams from Seoul. But, like, do we have too many teams in the United States? Like, could we use one or two of those franchises to branch out this region? You know, I don't know. What, of course, no one has any fucking idea what the APAC region is going to look like with some of these Chinese teams and the NetEase deal, um, you know, expiring now uh, early this year. Why don't we have like a team from Tokyo or, you know, Bangkok or I don't know, Sydney, you know, that is the opportunity. We're like, why are we not trying to expand the fan base of the league? And it gets complicated because if you don't have the regions, well, now you're forcing all the European viewers to tune in to this, you know, United States time zone. And that's what is why Hawaii was such a difficult um, kind of time for us because you forced all of the global population, all the fans of the league, to tune into this time zone that didn't really fit anyone. <laughs> so it was hugely a huge impairment on the viewership and the success of our product. But like, it was only the only thing we could do to make work. So I don't think it's necessarily feasible for us to just like move into regionalized, you know, play just like that. But I am thinking, you know, it's a bit of a shame that we haven't explored at least branching out to a global fan base of the league and trying to kickstart something in these different regions that we're not operating currently. Uh, yeah, I, and that's sort of my thing. Is like, I agree with you, Jack. It's like, are we in too deep? Maybe we shouldn't have sold all of our franchise spots for 20 million because that gives no leverage to expand because you can't just invite other teams when other teams have made a massive buyout, a buy-in. You like they're probably not going to just be like, hey, never mind, you know, don't pay us. Uh, so it's like we're kind of in this awkward spot where there is no real good answer for Blizzard. Um, but in my opinion, if we just stick the current path that we are now and we just keep with the Overwatch League, where we have like seven teams in APAC and 13 for in NA for what feels like absolutely no reason other than logistics, then I think the league is just going to continue to die because we're completely ignoring the European region. Like Europe is just like, Europe loved Overwatch and they do love Overwatch. It's just, we don't support them. So therefore the this esports scene is dead. There was good South American scenes. There are people who want to play from different regions and are interested in the game, but we're just not supporting them at all. I'll, not even with contenders anymore. So it's like, well, what's the point? Like, why would they support our esports? I'll even, I'll even say this. Paris Eternal, like, did not move away from Paris. Paris Eternal was not a failure because, you know, Paris in and of itself and Euro European Overwatch. Paris Eternal was a failure because they were left alone on an island in Europe. Yeah. And they were like, fuck, we got to play Philadelphia. We got to play Vancouver, to Toronto, San Francisco. Like, are you, like... You can't just like tell me that 
if if we had like a team in Madrid in Paris, you know, we had a team in London. I'll even say like Copenhagen, uh, Berlin. Like you can't tell me that at least it would have increased the chance that Paris Eternal as a brand would have been more successful and like revenue generating, and you would have given them a proper chance to actually like pull it off. Because holy fuck, some of the League of Legends events in France, in Spain, that that shit get people riled up. Like they have huge turnouts, huge crowds. Because they love going to esports and they love supporting their teams. And we didn't give them an honest chance to try to make Euro the Euro European region work, in my opinion. Like, I totally believe that you could have engaged some of those countries and major European capitals had you given them a chance to compete against each other and try to rally those, uh, you know, those members of the. Those and countries. talking about nationalistic pride, I've never known people to hate each other more than Europeans hating other Europeans from different countries as well. Yeah. They they just That's like true. they get so riled up whenever they're playing against each other and like they're competing, obviously in a friendly environment, but like they do get really passionate and stuff like that. So, I, yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest misses by the Overwatch League ever. And Overwatch esports is just completely neglecting. Yeah. And you can make the argument, because one of the arguments was that, well, if you go back and you look at, like, the beta tournaments, like the early tournaments, the North American tournaments, they got more viewership than the European tournaments. The North American, there were more organizations willing to sponsor Overwatch third-party tournaments back in the day, in the early stages, and they had more viewership, and they had some of the bigger brands, like Cloud9, for example. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that if you want to look at it purely financially, then, yeah, sure, the North American tournaments were more successful. But I think that's sort of like neglecting the point that the European region could have had a fully functioning, geolocated sort of like region within themselves. And I mean, yeah, now now it might be too late to like really invest in those countries and try to pivot to like an Overwatch League model in Europe. I don't think we'll ever like really see that happen. But um, it's a big what if for the league um had we like tried to fully make that happen it, it and it doesn't have to be fucking 12 teams or whatever it could have been like you know six european teams hell maybe like five i don't give a fuck but like at least some chance for those teams to establish rivals within their own region and giving them a chance to compete in prime time for that region i think that would have been a, made a tremendous difference for those uh for those franchises to try and establish a fan base and try to rally the fans uh you know, and to be fans of that franchise itself. Oh, well. That was a fun fucking conversation. That was great. Uh, all right. We still have tons of news to talk about. Yeah, we feeling good? We have so much shit yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, still... yeah, we have not going anywhere. This is, but this is the beauty. This is the beauty of the offseason. We can just, like, delay some stuff and talk about it some other time. I mean, fuck. I don't know. I, yeah, there's yeah. not even a schedule announced. I have no fucking idea when we're starting. <laughs> so <laughs> we got unlimited time to talk we about stuff. tons of time. Tons so of true. time. Uh, yeah, so I want to address two teams, um, at least some, some of the teams who made uh, some of the biggest moves, at least, um, during the break. Of course, Dallas Fuel and the San Francisco Shock, they organized a show match where San Francisco Shock then unveiled part of their new roster. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see a few more additions to the current roster, but they made a few more additions to their roster. And I don't think anyone is too surprised at, uh, what players the San Francisco Shock decided to sign at all. Um, but it's still equally exciting to see them actually join the team. So he sang Max and Vindime, out of all people, join the San Francisco Shock. So I think we kind of expected it. 
But how are we feeling on the hype scale, like 1 to 10, seeing Hisang, Max, and Vindheim join the San Francisco Shock, and Violet, I guess, departing this team as well? Yeah, well, they're not completely done, right? Because they only have five players, so they definitely need to get to six uh, with the players that they've announced. Um, they probably want to hit scan player as well, but I don't know, like, there's no reason to not be hyped. You know, there's rumors that Junbin is also going to be joining that team. Finn's been doing a cryptic tweet every, like, second day, it feels like. Uh, that's sort of like teasing these type of things. But they're great players. You saw that in the show match. Like, Shock, they are great players. They have history. I think Shock, in terms of hype scale, I would say Shock is the team to beat right now. Uh, there's a couple of teams that are running for them. I think, you know, your Atlanta Reigns and your Dallas Fuels have some pretty good rosters right now. But if I'm just saying raw on paper talent and I think going in the right direction with one of the best coaches to ever do it, Shock's in a pretty good spot. So you, so you think, not that I disagree with you, I think Shock look fucking nasty. I mean, right now, with their current five, they pretty much cover everything right now. With their current five, um, it, it's just, especially with the addition, I mean, Max is one of those players that, like, everyone was frothing the mouth for because it is a very, he's a very, very flexible, good tank player. And someone that you need for the Overwatch too. You need tank players. Like, that's the next standard of, like, when you think your star tank players are going to play everything um ideally to some extent at least uh the real question is is you're not including boss in that list with the new science i guess we'll talk about them more but like i i think maybe oh, yeah, you okay, boston. yeah boston's gonna do it this year you're right of us you know I, there's, there's no are you way. okay <laughs> no 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 no, no. this is not f no you're i i don't i think this is you're being a narrative nathaniel no right i'm fucking the history of these players they don't don't come at me with that but but the thing it's not so much just i'm not talking about specifically in like i'm not talking specifically of like okay like i don't i'm simply saying like there is a 100 a wrong possibility that team with how stacked the roster is could win the league that's what i'm saying sure do i believe yeah. they're gonna win the league necessarily i'm not necessarily saying that i'm just saying that they should be just by the caliber of players on the roster it should be mentioned in the same breath as yeah. the other teams. Yeah, I got it. Like a hundred percent. Um, but yeah, I think shock. I mean, they look fucking good. I'm interested in their sixth. Realistically, I'm just I just want to see their sixth. I think they probably need. I would imagine if Violet is gone, did they conf did we ever get a confirmation? Uh, that I don't Violet's know if they're confirmation. It's not in the tweet. Like the we are your yeah. 2023 San Francisco shock. Violet is not in the tweet, and so I guess exactly. this is like, like. What are we so doing? We don't, and then I know Violet's been sad posting a bunch of shock. He has been sad posting, yeah. So I, I don't actually know what if Violet is for sure gone, but it seems likely. But they probably, if you're thinking about what they need, they probably need another flex support more than like to help round out this roster or another tank theoretically. But if you get Max, you don't really shouldn't have to get another tank. So you don't think they want um, Jumbin? They're just you know. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's like, do I really? I don't know. I know Vindime is Vindime's great. He's really, really good, and we've seen some flexibility from him. But is he really in a hard double flex meta? Is he gonna be like the guy in that meta, right? When you see a lot of other teams making sure to double up, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Like he's been good. We've seen flexibility from him, but he's most of his brilliance has been on the main sport role. Um, so. Well, well, I, I would feel like a, another fuck support would make sense for this team, but who knows? I mean, we'll just right now, even if they don't get another one, they'd probably still be he's flexible enough to where they'd be fine. I think. I think that they need a hit scan before they need another flex support and a thing, and not a, not like a hard hit scan who's gonna bench prop or anything. I think that they need like a widowmaker player 
that just is going to free up proper to be able to play whatever the fuck he wants. Like someone who's willing to sit on the bench for 99% of the time until Widowmaker becomes meta or something like that. And then you, they dust off uh, you know, the, I mean, the, the sniper rifle and then... I, I wouldn't say that, you know, they, they even got to the point where, you know, towards the end of the season, they were like, hey, Kilo, play Sojourn so proper can play Widow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, well, but like literally anything, right? Like they need something because, like, as far as I'm aware, he's saying he doesn't have a great hit scan or that kind of stuff. Like, he probably play it in a pinch, but like, I just think if you're gonna have a championship roster, there's no reason to not sign like a pretty good Korean hit scan player for like minimum, and just like be like, hey, you're probably not gonna play. We just want to be careful because I actually believe in Finn and Vindame to be able to be quite flexible. I think they're both very talented young players. So I actually believe in that. Um, and I think if, if they get like Junbin plus a hit scan, I'm like, this yeah. roster is incredible. Absolutely. I actually think like it's, it's, you know, it's someone who's like assessing these rosters and like trying to predict like whether they will win stages and championships. It's actually quite hard for me to like truly believe in you as a team if you only have two damaged players. Like you, you, you could even have Proper and Hisang. But to me, there is still the added kind of flexibility of having a third player to not even like bring in a niche hero that perhaps you need in your arsenal something like a widowmaker but just bring like a different mindset a different playstyle at times because there are going to be points in the season where you know your, your players are stuck in a ways maybe they like got some mental hurdle they have to clear maybe they need like another a second set of opinions to like try to improve how they're playing a certain hero having a third damage player it just like alleviates so much pressure on two damage players to perform on all heroes and always make the right flex and always be like in total control of the game so yeah i i think if you're trying to win shit you need a third damage player it just makes me it makes it so easier for me to take you seriously as a team I, I also think it's a dangerous game to set a precedent of like, yeah, proper, you got this, right? Yeah, no, nah, good, sweet, love you, man. Uh, like, you can't just rely that he's going to be able to pick up the slack wherever the hole ends up being. Yes, he did it this year. He'll probably be able to do it again this year, but I think not giving him that sort of safety net, I agree with you, Johnny, it is, is dangerous. Hey, even give it to Hee-Sang, you know? Like, you yeah. can be like, oh, proper, proper's the MVP, he's a known quantity, proper go kill. Yeah, sure. Maybe that works out. Like, maybe we have enough tape at this point where, like, you trust proper in that. But he's saying, as, at the end of the day, he's still a rookie. Despite the fact that we knew, even dating back to last year, the last couple of years, that he sang was going to be one of the most promising talents in the league. He's still a rookie. And having a third, uh, third player, striker, to, <laughs> to, to, like, help out, like, that, I think that, like, can actually make a difference in, in the team environment and, like, try to make sure that some of these players, like, adapt. I mean, it's a pretty shitty example, but, you know, if you want to mention, like, Parifan, like, he, he had a rough time adjusting to the league initially, and sure, he was coming off Valorant, there were so many, many more different, like, aspects to him joining the league finally, and returning to Overwatch, but that's an example of someone who, like, took time to adjust, and then started to pop off, for example, for the Stage 1 Finals, but there's a brief period where, like, maybe you can't just rely on this player to come into the league and pop up instantaneously and, like, be a world-class player, like... You know, there's a lot of mental aspects to the game as well, and I think rounding out the roster is really helpful in that regard. So, yeah, so we're all—I think we're all kind of waiting for them to round out their roster and see what uh, what they'll be bringing in its entirety. They look good, this year. though. They look good, though. They look very good. That, that show good. match that they did—obviously, it's a show match, and everyone's just fucking around. They were way better than the Dallas squad, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, struck had to like throw to keep that interesting. So. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, you laugh, but if you watched it, they straight up like threw a couple of fights yeah, just to keep really the game did. going. Yeah. yeah. But it's a shame. I mean, dude, right? it's, imagine... Well, they, weren't they supposed to play every single map anyway? Was that the rule? Yes, rules? they played all seven maps. Like, so, I mean, I kind of no, like... were they supposed to? I think no. they were. They were, no, they, they, were. they were. They were going to stop it if they got to four, but like... Really? Yeah, okay, they, I okay. think it was like, well, at least that's how Achilles and Wolf were selling it. They're like, oh, you know, if they, this is match point and that kind of stuff. So. I right. was really hoping. When I have to cast uh, the show match. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking about that at some point? Because I really wish they fucking just played normal Overwatch, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I, yeah. I think a couple of the game modes are kind of fun. But like when they when you say show match, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like we've had this before where pre-season we've had a show match and it's like okay we're just playing meta and we're playing like the fucking game but the the fun the fun game modes i was about to, uh, i'm about to see fucking custom games tinder overwatch tinder watch being fucking 18 played. plus like, only <laughs> 18 plus like chill no kill fucking lobbies yeah i was i was a little bit disappointed in that regard i will say um it was fun when they we saw real modes but having a fucking zarya and ryan i was like okay <laughs> i have had enough <laughs> I like the Riz show match. The Riz, the Riz, match, was the Riz good. match was good. The Riz yeah, match the Riz was match. I yeah. do. I, I will say this is a complaint that's not about the show match. I'm really happy that teams are at least taking some sort of effort to be like, oh, we want to put on some fun things here and there. Like, yeah, very yeah, happy absolutely. for teams. Very sick. But I have been hearing for three years or more now, we're going to make the time before the Overwatch League. There's going to be events happening. Oh, God, There's going yeah. to be stuff happening before yeah. the Overwatch League goes on. I have been hearing for three plus years now, and I have yet to see shit. I have yet to see anything. This is a cry into the void for those they you know you know who I'm talking. I there's one person in particular I'm talking to. And he knows. Yeah, I'm we know to. that. Yeah, there's one yeah, person yeah. in particular I'm talking to. <laughs> I've been here for three plus years now that we're gonna do shit before the Overwatching starts. When are we gonna do shit before the Overwatching starts? When I beg of you after. Five five years of the league. Well, the time side of things too. We've been anything. told that as well. Where it's like, okay, so we're doing preseason shit this year, and I'm like, oh, every sick. year they tell I, us like, literally. Yeah, I'm like anything, oh, I, anything. I can't wait to do preseason shit because that is some of the most fun stuff. Because it isn't. Yeah, sure. If we're playing normal game mode, that's fine. Honestly, I don't give a fuck. But it's a lot, you know, it's a lot more fun building up hype towards the league eventually starting. I'm like, hell yeah, I can, you know, work again. Pog champ, pog champ. I mean, well, yeah, but, we'll see what happens. But come on. Give me some Johnny, don't say we'll see what happens because yeah, don't at say this that point, shit, bro. We have hey, president bro. Guess what, bro? Half the teams fucking... in the fucking league don't even have rosters because the fucking yeah. they just cut up the contract, yeah. bro. Yeah, but no there's shit. always a fucking reason. Like that's what I'm so sick of. There's always a fucking excuse. Do, 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 do you want Shock to get fucking Emong involved? Do you want Flats to be represented? No, 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 you know what you could do, Johnny? You don't even have to play the game. Why is the deadline so far back? Content. Just any sort of fucking content as well. Yeah, you don't like, even have to fucking get the teams and shit involved. Uh, Just give the Overwatch League channel some fucking content in the off-season. I said to them before the fucking season ended, hey, I can do fucking content. We can do an off-season Overwatch and shit like that. We can invite these people and shit. And it's just like, there's another fucking fucking doesn't shit happen because there's for some reason, there's just no like incentive to do so. I kind of understand there's no incentive because you don't want to put money behind it. But like, fuck. Just like something you've been saying this for so long. <laughs> I mean, the, just put videos out, bro. The, honestly, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can do it any, any different way. But a big problem is that essentially the Overwatch League Finals <laughs> and the World Cup Finals 
usually conclude around the same time. And so then you're like, oh, we need a brief period for both of these products to, you know, you know, calm down and have like an off-season type. Because realistically, you'd have it like the NBA, where like the actual international tournaments and stuff like that, they actually happen during the off-season. But because World Cup is synonymous with BlizzCon, um, then, and then you're like, oh, well, Overwatch League finals also conclude around BlizzCon. And so it's just a messy situation where the, the two most popular Overwatch esports products conclude at the same time and in an off-season at the same time. Because like otherwise you'd be like, oh, let's start off the World Cup qualifiers in January. I don't know. That'd be something at least to fill the void. But here we okay. are. I think we it's more just because you, I definitely agree you take a break, right? With even if they do finish at the same time, everybody's taking a fucking break for Christmas. You need to at least relax and like not do shit, right? But as soon as you enter the new year, like now, it's like, okay, cool. Like say the league starts in fucking April, March time, you know? Like what about February? You know, like the, at least a month before? Like, I, there just needs to be something. We something cannot. We just went through an off season where we had six months off, right? And we, you know, what we said at the end of that, we can never do that again. We can never do that again. Yet yeah, right now, I believe someone was telling me uh, the current roster cutoff for to have six players on your roster is like mid March, right? Which means, oh, okay. like, I, like I'm not hundred percent sure on this because uh, this is like from Liz, who was in my chat. It, it was like it was like mid March when you need six players, which would make the assumption that the league doesn't start until at least in March, which means we are at least this off season is about five months. Just at least it is too damn fucking long to run a league for only half of the season. Just, and if you are going to do that, we need dude, a bar. It just goes on to a bar space. <laughs> He's dead, bro. Like you can't have this long because you, no one can leverage anything. What do we do for five months off in an off season? We don't have any content happening on the outside. We don't have individual leagues. We don't have anything happening around that as well. So of course our league is dead because if you only run for half of a year, no one is interested for the other half. YouTube content. We're on the fucking YouTube. And oh, just YouTube. because half the teams don't have rosters, there's, there's still content. like 12 more teams. There's still 12 there's more teams of things that you can do. You know, the, the legends thing of it, where it's like Dallas Fuel is like, or, or Shock 2 which is like, hey, let's invite some back over to some yeah. more players for a show match. Let's fucking give them, you know, maybe, I what don't know, on the side or something. Well, you don't What's have to have rostered players. There's so many options. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so many things. There's there could be a great so, trial period for teams of like, I, I, oh, I, I, we, they don't have to please. fully sign this player. Just play them, right? Like, just anything. Just give me anything. Just, just yeah, imagine, imagine if we had, oh, that would be so fucking cool. Honestly, this would be a really cool idea of like, you took like your current, maybe some rostered players, but like, you literally imagine you had a tryout tournament preseason. Yeah. And it's literally running a tournament with stakes, with not like a huge prize pool, and you just played your open tryouts. <laughs> so it's in the, the NBA Summer League. Just let the players make their own team. Let the players make their own team. Yeah, like, hey, the there is no limitations. Team. We're running a you know, they gave $10,000 to fucking Yaki to play a Firefight 1v1. If they uh, were like, yeah, hey, we'll give, we'll give $20,000 as a prize yeah. pool. Korean to players will have one in Korea, we'll have one in North America. You guys can make whatever fucking team you want. Whoever wins, yep. wins and wins the money. Yes. Boom, there's content. It's just, it, there's just so many options and they just broadcast on the Overwatch League YouTube channel, you know? It's like, and yeah. you get some casters and, and like, who knows? Maybe even the desk for it, like, right? It's like, there's we'll do so casting many options. Couch, bro. We'll just sit in a fucking big sofa Please together. Test. All the fucking boys in LA. Yeah. 
Just yeah, like, but the point being, just like, and, like they can around. do so just many things something. that don't require the league to have to boot up entirely. All the gears yeah. don't have to be turned yeah. and fucking oiled. Like you just use portions of it. Like it's just I, I, that's I, I'm just like still blown away that after this many years we still are not doing shit at all. And I get like, there's crazy circumstances, but eventually, like okay, well let's you know what the great part we can just do this shit online. Who cares about the circumstances? Yeah, yeah. So, like, it doesn't whatever. need to be perfect. It Like, it can be scuffed off-season, and that is fine. Yeah. I don't want to speak for everybody else, too, like, um, but especially on the talent side of things, a lot of us don't... Oh, it's off-season, to be fair, in lots of games. Like, the League of Legends people off-season. Fucking Valorant people, it's off-season, you know? Like, well, everybody's waiting for their various leagues to kind of uh, boot back up again. We're not doing... A crazy amount unless you're fucking traveling or unless you're like 24 7 fucking streaming and shit like there is definitely time to be carved out for like for us to be involved in that shit too and to build fucking hype and just do random fucking shit there is like i don't see a, a world where they're like oh yeah but we've got no one to produce and cast i've got a fucking camera motherfucker i've got obs i can yeah, do that like, shit. You know just I mean? be like, like hey we're, we're running this tournament Yes, There's contenders players us. that'll boot that shit up and run it themselves because they got like they, they want to, right? It'd be a great opportunity for yeah. like you know, other like maybe it's just after the season, right? And like not all the Overwatch League players want to play in it, not all the Overwatch League talent wants to do it. That is a great opportunity to rise up, you know, these other talent or players in, in like the the lower, you know, like tier two scene. Like, I don't know. It as I said, it just feels like I'm, I'm living on a fucking island, screaming out for help, just year after year. And every year, some fucking little man with a beard wearing a hoodie tells me this, <laughs> this off season is gonna be different, and it just isn't. Oh, so Matt, I'm, I'm coming for you. Hear he me said out. his name, the ladies and gentlemen. Name. Ladies and gentlemen, the face of North American Overwatch League. <laughs> oh my god. It's tweeting yeah, about really DoorDash funny. bike streams. They are so good. The oh, face so funny. of NA Overwatch League. Oh, that's so fucking funny. Dante's off-season adventure. He's off the goop, bro. Dude, yeah, I love it. I love Talking it. about sad tweeting. Dante's not even sad tweeting. It's like uh existential tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bro, I I mean look, we've all had the thought, right? I mean, maybe yeah. not the Vas, because he has a full-time job. But we've all had the thought, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, this yeah. is the, the year I reason, start Uber. The only reason I have a full-time job is because of that thought. That's the only reason yeah. I have a full-time job, is because of that same exact thought sitting there. Fucking, will I get to live this year? And I've, I've said I had enough. Mm, so, yes, ah, yes. The three of us on the the left side of the screen. Are we going to be able to eat food next year? Or please keep watching Pat Chat. Please download. Is the question I ask every year? Oh, I can't like, wait for my one hundred and fifty dollars from Twitch every month. Is that yeah. going to sustain my uh, my rent? <laughs> I'm sure that'll cover my wedding coming up. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> oh boy. Fuck it's, me. It's, you know, I will. What, what else? What else productive? By the way, do we need to add to this conversation? Let's go. Oh, shit. I was going to say, like, another small idea that I really love, actually, from Flowers in League. And I'm not sure if the players are down for this, because I don't know about... Connor's got more experience in this kind of shit. I guess Custer, too, in a way, right? But motherfucker does... They do in-houses, which looks so fucking sick. And Flowers just fucking sits in the lobby. The in-houses don't dreaming exist that anymore shit. in Overwatch. Yeah, yeah, it's like, that. that is very... Another very cool idea. Obviously, that very much heavily relies on the players doing that stuff. But in-houses... 
with just like team uh, players from LCS and holy uh, fuck, dude, or whatever. The, the, that would be fun fucking content as well. That the league could also Overwatch the analysis, <laughs> guys. Yeah, <dude>. What are we? <laughs> holy, Costa spent through the ring on this one. What? Well, yeah, the, the problem is no, are, no one yeah. wants to run it. They've been I, like, yes. let me let me speak to this because I, it's been I attempted that, to be yeah. done, and I think it got done actually quite well, not publicly in the most recent off season because there was nothing going on, uh, and like they were playing Overwatch two beta and stuff like that. But the problem that always exists, and you know, I can speak to this from what happened, is someone decides to run it right. You, all the Overwatch League players are super interested off the rip. You know, you get gods, lots of things going, but you can only really have, you know, 10, maybe you can have two games going off on at once. But then people start to lose interest because people don't always want to do that every single day. So then you have to start filling with, oh, okay, well, we'll just go down to contenders, right? Then you run contenders. So then every contenders player wants to join, right? Which then reduces the quality of the those matches, right? Which then disincentivizes Overwatch League players to play it as much. And then all of a sudden you got content creators. Well, back in the day, you have content creators who are like, I want to get in on these, right? Which then disincentivizes Overwatch League players. So it always starts, runs for a little bit, is great for a little bit and then eventually it depreciates if someone was going to run this i would say you do like a three-day event and you give incentive for yeah. overwatch league players to play you run it as a three-day for three days we're going to run pugs from you know 6 p.m pst to 10 p.m pst or like midnight pst you run that for a few days and then you give you know a week or two into and then you come back in the off season right that, and then you do it again yeah that does remind me i don't know if you remember scott um of the alpha tests uh, yeah when when the alpha was out <laughs> dude i don't know who the fuck it was i i shouldn't say her name anyway but like one player in the overc was like yo support players queue up please please yeah please queue up please support players you got a queue bro and it's like the dps and tank players are like supports get the fuck online please queue like please come online there is no supports in the queue right now we can't play quick but then play. it's like what do you want us to do what you so want us to just funny. show up and then be like i'm in danger and just get run yeah, over by the dps and tanks like no yeah. like Overwatch dps players yeah like oh my god it was yeah. that that shit was just funny and that kind of i guess yeah it's in a way, it disincentivizes people to queue up, and or like in this instance, uh, what we're talking about, pugs and play that. I I understand the limitations, but there is still some sort of, again, this can be worked in with the Overwatch League too. If there's in-house pugs of very small little fucking teams that uh, that the Overwatch League teams made up of maybe um, certain contenders players that then could be streamed and uh, you know passed it over. There was there was like what you just fucked up, Jack. You said yeah. certain contenders players. You can't yeah. invite well, that's some thing, right? without inviting the without others. all of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you've got to cast the net as wide as possible in a way, but like ideally, it's like mainly Overwatch League players to like build that kind of pipe. But yes, it, it it's just going to be impossible. It's not going to happen. But at least put videos out on the YouTube channel. Yeah. It, I'm there's a lot of drama that comes from it. That's the problem. Yes. Is, and I, no one wants to yeah, be I the person who is the focal point of that drama and want to yeah. deal with running that shit. There, cool idea and concept. Because people exist, it's not going to. There happen. need to be official tournaments, like officially sponsored, yes. Yes, branded, admined yes. tournaments of some kind, of some nature. That's, yes. That's all that's leveraging needed. the awarding brands. Literally, all that's needed is tournaments. That's it. That's all that's needed. We turn this into a, in a fucking discussion about pugs and. It's been a long off season. What do you want to talk about? We're gonna it's blow just, everything we, we, have, we talk about. We still have like a lot of. Technically, we still have more time. Right, are we going to wrap up? Spot, I mean, Connor's fucking. You know. Yeah, Connor's going. No, we don't have to wrap up. I'm just saying. I'm just saying we're like we're rehashing. You know what? I'm essentially. I'm just getting. I'm essentially just getting 2018 like deja vu. I'm back, memento. Uh, uh, pugs? 
<laughs> in houses like I'm, I'm literally just this some of this old shit is like preseason oh preseason like i'm literally me in the fuck i'm the weekend running through the fucking mirror maze again running again because all this shit i've heard so many different times and i'm still just like how are we still here how have we gone nowhere like at all at all this time how's nothing nothing's changed huh the more it changes, the more it stays the same. We're rebranding during the offseason to therapy chat. We're changing <laughs> the colors to blue, just like Joel said at the start of the episode. Uh, actually, was that in the pre-recording? Yeah. No, that was in the that recording. That was in the pre-press. Yeah. Yeah. We're funny. changing <laughs> the colors, everybody, to blue. That was in the test recording. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's probably hidden somewhere. Anyway, uh, bef before the fucking Dallas Fuel fans have like an aneurysm and they just like go out into the society and tear the structure of our living apart. We gotta talk about the Dallas Fuel. Holy shit, they've been losing it in the YouTube chat for like the past 10 minutes. And just like, please talk about <laughs> Dallas. Please talk about the Fuel. And all, I, all right. See, that's what I was trying to get us moving along to because I know there's fans. The Fuel fans have had a rough off season and we're sitting here just like, oh, let's talk about shock. Okay, now do not talk about Fuel <laughs> at all. <laughs> Let's do a sidebar for Dallas fans hate us because we do this all the time. Because we have done, and it's not intentional. We don't do this intentionally, but we absolutely do something about our conversation. I started doing it intentionally. We I, I'm going to be run honest. over Dallas Fuel like topics and like Fuel fans get so. <laughs> it happened mad. once. It happened once. Okay, it happened once after the fucking was it Toronto the fucking Toronto land. It happened once. Yeah, okay, and <laughs> since then the Dallas Fuel fans are just like oh plat chat. They just hate Dallas. They never want to talk about Dallas. <laughs> I don't know. All right, here you fucking go. Dallas Fuel. They re-signed Coach uh, uh, Rush. They also signed back Ederson, Hanbin, and Sparkle. So, they got a bit of a decent core going from last year, and then we'll get to the support later. But starting off with last year's core, re-signing uh, Coach Rush, of course. This is what we wanted to see, right? It's a return of the team that just won the championship. And even though it might not be a one-to-one -one team, rarely in any sport, it's a one-to-one -one team, all right? But... We actually get to kind of see the Dallas Fuel run it back with this core. So, signing, uh, I mean, Hanbin is going to be huge for the tank role. But also interesting that they signed back Edison and Sparkle in that regard to be your two initial damage players. What do we think about the initial four here signed uh, when it comes to the tank and damage role? A picturesque Dallas landscape with Rush, Edison, and Hanbin Sparkle looking over the rest of the city. I think this is fucking sick. Especially with Rush staying on, I think it's even better because regardless of the players that are going to get picked up, I think Rush's coaching has proved like not only in like contenders, but in the Overwatch League, exceptional. He's definitely one of the better coaches in, says that fucking wearing a fuel hoodie, by the way. Um, but he's definitely been one of the best coaches we've had in the league, I think. Um, when, when it comes to a core of players that not only enjoy working with Rush, but have like benefited from his coaching over the last few years, I think... Um, ben Anderson and Sparkle. Yeah, it kind of sucks that we couldn't keep the back line, right? Or you couldn't keep the back line. But or whatever player comes... Or Phyllis, yeah, sorry. Um, whoever play, Whatever players come in, obviously we do have names now. Uh, I think are going to be near that level at least halfway through the year to expect of uh, Fielder and Shio. I'm pretty fucking hyped that Dallas Fuel ended up keeping this these four because it very much seemed like in the offset the entire team was gone yeah, so yeah. having four sick that's fucking awesome because everybody was panicking hashro fucking lifts the trophy and says oh yeah you're all fucked see ya you know pack your fucking bags on monday get out of the office like i'm i'm so happy we're seeing this and i, I think i reiterate this reiterate this every single fucking episode when there, there's big team changes i am 
just so for teams keeping at least a core of players going into the next year and coaching stuff going into the next year because it we talked about this at the start of the episode fucking identity of teams and this is the identity of this team right now is rush is sparkle and hanbin edison i think that's fan fucking fantastic that they resign yeah i agree i, I think that. i like you know I, I every time i've doubted Sparkle, he's he's bounced back. I think we all agree that Harmon's one of the best tanks to ever play the game. Edison, I there was a lot of question marks going into the 2022 season for Edison. I think he proved a lot of people wrong, especially towards the end. Like he was one of the best hit scans we've had in the league in those playoffs. Like he went toe to toe with like you know, proper who was firing on all cylinders when no one else could stop him. Edison stopped him, right? You know, he he showed up and he went went against him. So I don't think you can doubt all, any of those three players. Um, I agree. I think the backline is really the big question mark for this team, but also who, how are they going to fill out this roster around this as well? Uh, Sparkle and Edison both have very interesting hero pools, uh, it feels like, so we'll see how... I think they definitely need a third DPS. I could see them gambling on Hanbin and just be like, good luck, Hanbin, play it all. And I think he's one of the few players that many of us would be happy to see do that. Um, Bliss is a great contender's uh, main support coming out. And MCD is obviously controversial for a lot of different reasons. Uh, there's been a lot of back and forth, but I don't know if you want me to jump into that. No, yeah, let's hold off on the support a little bit. So we had the conversation earlier with Shock. They had two damage players, and you, of course, mentioned that, you know, Edison and Sparkle. Uh, it, it's, it's not exactly streamlined like and clear, like, what their hero pools exactly are, and, like, do you need a third or a fourth damage player? Uh, so what would you see, like, to add to this? Would you see, that, like, you see like, a... Like a star player, kind of like, uh, you know, another flex player. Like, what do you see? Doha re-signed. I think that you can say that Gurio was kind of like a failed experiment in that they tried to implement Gurio a lot of time, but he just wasn't effective. He, like, didn't just get the job done. And you needed someone with maybe more confident and more proactiveness to actually find opening picks, stuff like that. So maybe you'll even see some, some kind of, like, contenders player being picked up for this team because Rush, it wouldn't surprise me if he's, like, you know, got his pulse on the Korean contenders and finds, like, a good young unknown not unknown but you know young player to kind of like explore similar to Gurio in that kind of way well who, who would you like to see to round out uh, this core of damage players I, I mean they think I mean I think you need you have your hard hit scan kind of covered I'd say though you could arguably still say that you could get a harder hit scan than Edison but personally I think Edison you should have faith in him at this point yeah. um I mean realistically you kind of just need you need like another flex like player like sparkle can cover projectiles pretty well it can cover tracer but like you'd probably just I think get, you get a hard tracer player if yeah you, you could get a hard player. tracer i mean you got edison sparkle though yeah i actually like sparkle tracer these days like i i think it's actually quite I don't think good it's bad. yeah i, I think, I think bad, you no. i don't think you need a tracer player well with sparkle on the roster i think i would say a hard hit scan more really more you think a hard think hit scan you, still I think you play Edison Sparkle most of the time, but I think Widowmaker, like that's one thing we haven't seen from Edison. And that's probably, maybe that's why they put, picked up Gurio to begin with is because Edison's not comfortable with that. Like when, was, have yeah. we ever seen Edison awesome. play Widowmaker? I'm trying to think Briefly, back to yeah. like GC Busan. Yeah. Yes. Which like, by the play... way, holy yeah. shit, what a come up story fucking Edison coming into the league. It, GC, what a shit team. Jesus Christ. 
PC Busan, he was like the only good player on that team. And like coming like 13th and 14th in Korean contenders and like uh, even before that as well. And Edison to come up to a championship level team. I think Edison is one of the better, better stories over the last few years yeah. of like players. I mean, people uh, getting were doubted him. Not yeah, me, they did. They really did. No, I mean, not me though. Yeah. Not, check not the mods. Check the mods. No, legitimately check the mods. That was the old. Oh, yeah. yeah, in our defense, we watched him for a very long time. He was good in 2020 or 2019, and then he just sort of disappeared for a couple of years, took a vacation. But you know, you can't disagree that he's back. This is this is a plat chat certified good cash in player. my smug bucks moment. Yeah. So cash in my smug bucks moment here. So and much the same way, I know we don't want to, but I I think. Realistically, technically, if you look at their roster, like, also, they got rid of Doha now, and I'm going to be honest, love Doha, great player. Thank fucking God he's off this roster. Yes, thank fucking thank God. God he's off this roster. I know <laughs> Dallas fans are, like, sad, but, I like, agree. This, no, I agree. it made no sense. That, no, it made, it's not because, like, you had to choose Sparkle or Doha. Yeah. You had to choose. You had Pick to make one. a choice, and obviously, with how Sparkle has been, like, key and central and learn Tracer, you're going to keep Sparkle. Um, but, like... You could not continue to have these two players on the same roster anymore. It was rush. You had to let go one of your two favorites. One of your you can only keep one. It's like going to the fucking store. It's like okay, you can only choose one bag of chips. Which one do you want, Rush? And like the chose the sparkle bag because like you can't take both. It's too fucking much. You can't have Doha as well. So I'm glad Doha's off this roster. I'm hoping Doha can find another team where he can play consistently again because he's a great player. And him being stuck in fuel was just like the most monkey paw thing ever to see him in the league because he just. Did not make any goddamn sense for what this for when you also had Sparkle on this team. Um, it would make sense if Doha was a hyperflex because then it's like okay, like you have someone else to fill in gaps when necessary. But he wasn't, so they need someone better, that's going to fill in some gaps. Only better hero was Sombra over Sparkle. Yeah, yeah. That's so so I, I it's still very minor comparatively. The the, the yeah. you know there's there's been some rumors about Hisu already, but is this potentially a Hisu destination right here or someone like even I like kind of like the, the Toronto players in that regard, like someone like Finale maybe. Uh, I mean, Hisu would be a great hit scan pick, a uh, great hit scan pick for this team. I don't really know if it's like to I mean, I guess if you're thinking Widow, like. Isu could but you feel like Edison kind of like fills most of that role already. I, I yeah. personally feel Edison covers most. The only thing I don't know for sure, because I can't remember how much I've seen of him, is Widow. That's the one thing I know. But every other hit scan, I feel confident Edison covers. Oh my god. 100%. Yo. All right. Okay. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the secret ingredient. If, okay. if, if, if Coach Rush is really cooking, all right? His, his biggest kind of like revitalizing of a career to date, all right? Are you ready? Assassin. No. On this team. Assassin? Does Assassin, for, for what role? Like, what, what is he Assassin play? a flex player? He's a he's, flex player. He's a flex. I'd say you get a hit scan of Assassin. I mean, but like, the thing is, you don't need, the, the roles that you most need, you don't need flex players because you would feel confident generally in that Sparkle could play flex. Unless you're ever predicting a double flex meta. Which is so, there's no way we have double so hit seldom. We're so way seldom that more happens. likely to have a double hit scan meta, like long range hit scan, than we will. The yeah, very meta. seldom. Especially because, like, the only times that generally occurs is, like, when Hanzo is also meta, but Hanzo at this point is essentially a hit scan. Like, yeah. Hanzo's not even really a projectile role because, like, double projectile metas in general, you need, like, a lot of pocket and heals for that projectile player. So it's hard to run two traditionally. So, like, I don't think that, like, there's going to be any option. 
that like why what what do you think fills in what do you think assassin fills in other than just I'm gonna be honest. Or you like assassin you guys and also like the chat currently they're trying to figure out this puzzle and they're just like making the, like the hero pool calculations and they're just like oh this team needs a hitscan player oh this team needs a flex player honestly <laughs> i think they could kind of like go either way like i don't think it's as straightforward because you can have sparkle play like tracer but also projectile hell even like fucking sojourn if you need be and like edison can also play tracer can play hit scan i'd even trust edison to like flex over didn't he play like fucking genji for like a map or something like that like to end the season or something like that so like i actually feel quite comfortable with edison and sparkle as like sort of a duo to complement each other so the third one i think it could go like all kinds of ways i think the most important aspects in that regard is like it's someone who fits the team that coach rush enjoys coaching and just like sort of makes sense to bring in a new uh, play style or a new kind of like set of hero pool or a way to like make the roster work like i don't think it's as straightforward as like this team is a hit scan or this team is a flex player i think with the current two you have that's not really as you know predetermined as for some other teams that clearly lack a hit scan option for example so i think it's up in the air i think coach rush can like add whoever he wants and i think a tracer flex makes sense though really fine realistically really though why though because you have edison and sparkle who can both play tracer well, no but but the problem it's not it's more so you have the option to when sparkle can flex you play them or you have the other guy put flex but they also can both play tracer like it adds more because you need someone that can flex tracer it, even if it's a hit scan player that can play tracer too having another option so the sparkle or could flex onto something else is great it's just good. It's like, that's the big thing, because the big crux of this roster. Edison, his role, he's pretty flexible. Sparkle, his role is also pretty flexible, but it's Tracer flex heroes, right? Like, projectile heroes. Like, I think something that allows one of those players to not have to play Tracer, or to be able to, like, flex onto... Venom? You know, or to even maybe, to, like... I mean, Venom could work, but I'd want someone more flexible than Venom, yeah. right? Like, right. I'd, I just want someone more flexible. I mean, Finale would be potentially one of those players, because I think he can play stuff other than... Tracer. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I'm... I, I, there's a lot... I, realistically, they're once again in this weird situation where I think their DPS are great. I think they're, like, in a very good spot. It's just... You would still maybe like to see a little bit more options, if possible, when necessary. But the problem is, like, Edison's really fucking good. You don't want to take him out. Sparkle's really fucking good. And he's, like, a central component of the team. And, like, even though I think all of his roles, including Tracer, are now really great, it's still, like, do you want extra flexibility? I don't know. I mean, you could argue another... Flex support player to have a double flex meta since Bliss MCD can't cover that necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd rather take a DPS too. Uh, you probably want both. I'm, I'm firmly in the trench of like, please get three damage players and three support players. Yeah. And two tank players. Like, it's just going it to make things easier. Sense. Yeah. Yes. I don't um, think the teams want to expand that hard though. We're yeah, just we don't want to become the spark, bro. Yeah, we're just dropping names now, but Chad is very much want to see Yaki going somewhere, whether it's Clouds well, or Well, there has been a rumor that just dropped. Really? Just there has dropped. been a rumor that just what, dropped what about it? Yaki going to Gladiators. Fresh off the press Ooh. of uh, unverified accounts. Gladiators. Unverified accounts, fresh off the presses of uh, not just unverified accounts, accounts supposedly run by like four to five plus people. <laughs> also, oh, yeah, you know? One. Yeah. Interesting. So, That'd be a sight to behold. Kind of makes sense, I guess, but, you know. Um, before we get there, uh, I feel like, you know, I think we'd all kind of like to see Hanvin, see if he can pull off this solo tank role, as Custa mentioned earlier, but, you know, there is the added question of like, hey, does this team actually need a main tank? Because Fearless made a tremendous difference in the playoffs when he came in and played Winston 
at probably like the best level in the entire league, right? So this team, if any team, knows how important it is to have like a main tank specialist. So maybe this is something we want to bring in. But let's move on to the supports of this team. MCD and Bliss replacing Fielder and Chio for this team. MCD, of course, very controversial given some of his uh, xenophobic statements uh, in the past, you know, that, that incident. But seems to be some, some statements recently, so some opinions flying around that actually... MCD, lots of potential. Why didn't we see it? Why didn't we talk about it before? Come on, guys. People are sleeping on people are sleeping on MCD. Uh, is that true, or are we kind of like just overreacting because he got signed to the Dallas Field? I mean, I literally made this point last episode. How I thought MCD was pretty decent still, despite his despite his the power of 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 very much you know. What I think the the Reddit name it's like much Chinese discrimination. Despite that. I do think that his overall ability is not bad. Like he's a great, he's a pretty solid player. Like overall, he's a very solid player. Um, and personally, I think we've seen rush mold players like that into the pat, like to be extremely good as well. Like to take them above heights, of what we expected potentially in a system like that. So, and bliss is apparently people. Some people I think are kind of off the goop. I've heard some people say bliss is better than like geo. Coming in, I wouldn't I'm say like, that. Whoa. I think he's a hot prospect, but I wouldn't say he's better than. Yeah, Chio. some people are saying like Bliss is going to be better than Chio. I'm like, okay, that's even fucking crazy. But like, sure, but it's not impossible per se. But MCD is a solid player. I I don't necessarily know if like I I literally already made the point that I think we were slightly underrating him. But I I still don't know if he's going to be as good as Fielder. A lot of people are like, well, no one thought Fielder was that good. It's like, well, I still thought Fielder was pretty good coming into the league. Um, so and also like, especially once he came off his like fucking. Once he came off his hot streak. So, I don't know. Uh, I think this backline can still work. I just don't know if they're going to be able to come with level flex. I think it comes down to Rush and who Rush is comfortable with. As uh, I think it was Johnny who said that. It's like, I think just having that confidence in a player, you know, he's coming from Element Mystic. I don't know how much crossover there was from... There should be some crossover with the Element Mystic that Rush had with MCD. Maybe a relationship in the past. So, I think... If Rush is confident in that, then all the power to him. You know, I, Rush has shown the ability to turn many players who other people didn't want or couldn't get value out of and made them very, very strong and made them very, very good. So I personally don't think I, we've seen anything from MCD in the league that makes him a standout player. And my reaction, I think, with a lot of other people was that if you're the Dallas Fuel, you're wanting to win a championship, again, they obviously have a bunch of great rosters. Is MCD the best player you could have gotten on the market, especially when you have a player like Violet potentially out there, right? Uh, if he's not going to be with the shock. <laughs> Violet to Dallas, that would... <laughs> yeah, and, and like, but maybe Rush doesn't want Violet because, you know, Violet has been known to have, you know, negative, you know, um, I don't even know how to say it, negative stigma around him and his, uh, like, the way Very he works passionate. within the team. Passionate. Passionate. passionate is a great word to use, right? So... Maybe Rush doesn't want to deal with that. Maybe Rush prefers, you know, having that team culture. London Spitfire just showed how far a team culture can go. So I think it's very hard for us as the public to judge. And, you know, my, my thing I think is going to happen now, especially after Dante makes a tweet, is everyone's just going to come in to defend MCD. When the reality is I don't think anyone knows exactly how he's going to perform. Or the big question I have is how much of Dallas Fuel's power from this year came from the back line? of like fielder has been that guy for them for such a long time um obviously the main sport has changed but 
I don't know. I think they'll still be good. I think they're with this roster, easily top five. Like I think they're in the rosters of you know top five rosters on paper. Do I think they can win a championship with the other teams right now? I think if they do, Rush is the best coach to ever play uh, coach the game, in my opinion. Uh, I think I would put him above Krusty at that point. So you know, let's see if he can do it again. It's definitely a downgrade to start off with, right? With Bliss and MCD. Yeah. It's where that is how that pans out. And that's the that's the kind of big question. I think do we know the format for next year? <laughs> Am I no, just no, like we know nothing about uh, next year? Okay, so I'm gonna take the format from last year and go with that. By the second tournament, I would say, we will know the close to the full strength of the Darts Fuel with this roster. Right now. Obviously, if they pick up another flex support or they pick up another support or whatever the fuck, or they pick another DPS, obviously we don't know that yet. But like right now on paper. By the second tournament, I think we'll know um, if this team is championship winning level again. Like, I really do think Bliss is good. I think he's a hot prospect coming out of, uh, of contenders. Not MCD is a step down for, from Fielder for sure, but not sure how that will end up uh, panning out. Will MCD like step up like big time? Not sure. Not sure. Because remember, Fielder is a fucking nutcase. Like, mm. I wouldn't say he came out of absolute nowhere. But he was definitely a player when he entered the Dallas field with this roster. We were like, holy shit. Like, you have to step up big time. Um, and he did. And he, like, blew people's expectations out of the park. So. I feel like you have, you have to be pretty pretty bad at the game um, if, if Hanbin is your uh, main tank. And you don't, like, utilize that to your advantage to have good performances. So in the case of someone like MCD, for example, like, he's clearly going to be better enabled to play well in the Dallas Fuel with Sparkle, Edison, and Hanbin, whether, you know, compared to the team he had in, at, at the Boston Uprising, right? So that's going to help his game, and he's going to look better in that regard. He's going to look better this season, and if he doesn't, then, like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, the crossover was about four months on Element Mystic before uh, Coach Rush went to Paris Eternal, so it's not huge by any means, but, you know I mean, he's obviously coached a player, that's and enough. Size that's of enough. Four months is enough. Yeah, yeah. too, like in this half a season ago, that's quite a lot. Yeah, and as as you said as well, Joss. Like I think you know, I I wrote a similar tweet about the San Francisco Shock. Like regardless of the fact that Shock's roster is fucking stacked, um, and without you know just like changing the conversation to Shock again, <laughs> but like I I think for a lot of these teams, it, you honestly almost like divide the season into two separate. Um, you know, it's it's the first half and the second half. And yeah. if things don't work out in the first half, you leave yourself a smaller roster to allow yourself to explore adding personnel. Someone like Stryker for Shock made a huge difference in the second half and especially in the playoffs, right? Um, other teams as well, like signing crucial component to their teams in the second half. If you just go off the bat and you sign like a 10-man roster, you're kind of like pigeonholing yourself. You're not allowing yourself to like really make the most of that roster as the season progress and you have more material you have more uh, data points you have more information about your roster and what you lack and what you need and so i think there's going to be something similar with the dallas fuel this year where it's like hey if we need a you know a certain third support player uh, a third or even fourth damage player maybe we do need a main tank like they'll they'll sign that like stage beginning of like stage three and i don't think they're stressing out too much because as we've seen even like this past year the LA Gladiators dominant in the first half, one stage one, one stage two. At the end of the day, you want to win the championship. And I think if you look at the Gladiators, yeah, they're probably happy at the fact that they won two stages. But they're probably salty as fuck that they had a massive disappointment in the playoffs. And ultimately, that is what matters. So, you know, maybe that's a bit of a flawed kind of like value 
proposition we have about the league like maybe we should maybe people should put more emphasis on the stages but as it stands the championship is the big thing that really matters for these teams and so whether you're great in stage one whether you're great in stage two kind of secondary as long as you qualify for the playoffs and then you're really able to kick things into gear come come the playoffs themselves so i think for dallas fuel they are in no rush no pun intended to actually like start off in like a 10-0 win streak like that's not what matters to them they want to be great at the end of the year and so maybe mcd will be that for this team or maybe they'll pick up a third flex support or maybe they'll go in a different direction we don't know that yet so uh things are tbd about the dallas fuel was that enough dallas fuel for the people did we satisfy the masses did, we, look, did we want the public over they look good guys they just need maybe a couple more pieces but like there's nothing it's not super catastrophe by no. any means for this team considering where we were like two weeks ago yeah. you can't be upset yeah yeah what the fuck good all yeah right. you, yeah you try being toronto you know that's all you guys need to know for a day god damn well i mean we'll we'll see about that we'll see about well, they might be good fans. this year yeah, but maybe. that's that's what we say every year about toronto and that's the hard part about being a toronto fan <laughs> yeah uh talking about uh, a tough fan base uh that hopefully won't uh have a sort of a time anymore the boston uprising they signed twilight and Kalios. What the fuck, guys? Unbelievable. <laughs> Where so, the fuck are they finding this money? Yeah, Where the know. fuck are they finding it? Has it? Have they been like secretly fucking Maybe paying Huck's out Connor getting paid for the last like four fucking years? For the last like, three years. Into his fucking bank account. They check the fucking logs and they're like, holy shit, <laughs> we've been paying fucking a vast like 100k a year. Like, from season I mean, one, okay, he, even if that were to be, even if that were the case, which oh. by the way was definitely not as much. I made like I made Obviously, like yeah, not okay. close to that much that one. Even if they had paid me that much for every year, that would not have technically afforded all the players they wanted to pick up, right? Obviously not. But like, god damn, what the fuck? Like, I don't. I think we're misappropriating it though. Wait, what? This has to be I one think, of the greatest turnarounds in like a team history that we've had. I mean, okay, maybe Shanghai, <laughs> Shanghai. right? Obviously, obviously, right? But. Holy mother of God, this is like unprecedented levels of like a big dick energy from uh, from the boss not rising. Like going from a roster that was, I'd say fairly well put together some of the time. And like, they've had some very good players on their team. Like Striker, for example, right? But like, holy fucking shit. Like a complete shift in like, okay, Boston, uh, they're probably like mid maybe. And uh, maybe they're a little bit lower than mid going into preseason rankings too. These might it might be top two, like like what the fuck? Where'd you find this fucking roster, pre? Holy mother of god! Thank God, APAC is a, a big question mark right now because, yeah, this a miracle has just happened in front of us. I uh, yeah, the roster is intimidating. Like it's almost too much. It's almost like two star stuttered, and you're like, wait, but what? Like. Are you allowed to have this many great players? Like, how are these players going to gel? Are they just going to show up into a house in New England and be like, what's up, guys? <laughs> Everything's cool. We love each other and things are flawless. Like, how, how are the egos going to, you know, like gel together? There are so many questions with this team. It's honestly bonkers. It's nuts. I mean, just look at the support line. Lee Jagon is Ayaki Twilight. <laughs> that is nasty as fuck lineup. And here's my, I think, honestly, I would not be surprised to see Twilight binge Ayaki this year. Ooh! Ooh! I mean, yeah. I mean, it's reasonable. But still, just saying that, it's, it's, it's you know, it, I mean, this honestly, is a naturally spicy team. Going to be one yeah. of the best take generating teams. I personally, of the I will say, I I think the one thing people are kind of attributing this, like, and I know you were joking, Jack, for the most part, but like this, like, where's the budget here? And I'm like, I don't think 
the budget is that crazy. I'm sure they, it sounds like they have increased the budget than they have somehow. They've actually been like, actually, what if we do spend some more money? But also, I just think a lot of these players, because of the APAC explosion when this roster was formed and just the general ecosystem, I think this really, when you think of like what this roster could have potentially cost a year or two ago, I bet it's a fraction of that cost right now. Yeah. yeah. I bet it's not the most, which to me is almost in a way, it is kind of impressive to me still um, from a G, which is one thing Pre's always been great at is like attracting talent. Everyone, I think a lot of people are kind of like, this is definitely the most stacked roster he's ever built. But like putting up the other Justice rosters previously were very stacked with talent. He was good with attracting talent, even with larger budgets. Or not like huge budgets, but larger budgets, right? I, I, and I think I'm impressive again that like he didn't necessarily, I, don't, I doubt he had a humongous budget for this roster. Um, but I'm so impressed he was able to get these players to come to the Boston Uprising. Uh, so yeah, I don't think this is, this roster is actually like insane. Like we have millions of dollars type of budget roster. I just think that the ecosystem allows you to get players on the cheap right now. I just want to know how he convinced all of these players to come, right? Because like, usually you need to sign one player and then you could be like, he could be like, Hey, we got Smurf. You should come play for my team. Like who was the first player? Or was this like a bunch of these players came together and were like, Hey, like, Maybe we can find something and they work. I imagine Li Gong and Izayaki were probably like... Yeah, maybe yeah, they maybe were the Smurf. first pieces. And then like Smurf that was trio, like, yo, yeah. I'd go play for that, right? And stuff like that. Like, You cannot doubt the raw amount of historical talent that has existed on this roster. We got a bunch of rings. We got some, like historically, some of the best players. I can't shake pre and the washington justice out of my mind when i look at this roster and that is the i think that's that's it maybe it's just the fact that decay is on this roster like just something just makes me nervous and i agree this is probably pretty firmly a top five team at least right i don't think we're gonna have another one where they end up just being super mid unless the team implodes which you know as much as it's a meme and that kind of stuff with all the players on here, implosion is the most likely compared to all these other teams. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I like that Dongsu's getting a shot as a head coach. I worked with him on Valiant. Very smart guy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he handles the the number of, as you said, egos and uh, veteranship that exists on this team. But this is by far the best team to watch going into next season, just for sheer excitement. So I'm going Boston. to say this. I think I'm, I've just surrendered. I, I, I think, I, I don't know if there's a, a word for this when you, you just like, you just like, I, I, I forfeit to become a sheep of the Boston Uprising. I've just like, what happened with the Washington Justice, what, what happened with that roster, I, I've just chosen to just forget it, to forget all about it. And I'm just going to become a fan of this team. I don't think it applies, or maybe it does, but I'm going to choose to think that it does not apply, and I'm just going to love watching this team. There's no risk of implosion. These are all fantastic players. Of hey, course it's going to work. Of no course it's going to work, Costa. Why would it work? They're all risk great of players. They're super There's successful. always a risk of implosion. I, uh, I, no, I've completely surrendered all my skepticism, and I've surrendered all my worries, and I, I'm just going to become the sheep that enjoys the Boston Uprising, and Pri is a genius for putting oh, this roster together, and I'm just going to enjoy it. You know, Guys, good luck, my friend. this is going to be a fucking treat. They're going to pop off. 
I refuse to become the skeptic that is going to every fucking week on this podcast just be like, oh, what about the Buster Uprising? You know, this could be the day. Striker goes to the shock again. Who knows? Is the K going to fly out of the country? I, I'm not going to become that guy. I'm just going to through and through become a Buster Uprising fan and be like, holy fuck, this is one of the best rosters ever assembled. Pre is a genius until proven otherwise. I'm just I going mean, to enjoy honestly, it. I understand where the Washington I Justice came it. from before Striker, before Kalios, and before Twilight. Because then you're like, oh, so you signed Legion and Isayaki with, with Smurf, with Decay and Birdring. Like, Decay, Birdring, is that enough? Like, is Smurf going to be able to gel with Isayaki? Sure enough. But now you signed fucking Kalios, who is was one of my off-season gems, where I was like, this is the fucking Swiss army knife of, like, the off-season. Any teams who signs Kalios, I'm fucking on board. Do you sign Twilight on there? Like, do, I, I don't even need to mention it. And you have Striker as well to help out with Decay and Birding. I, I'm just fucking on board. I, I am on board. I, I surrender all of my fucking, what is it called? The, the amygdala fucking interactions with my brain. I'm just going to, I'm just going to enjoy this team. And there are no worries at all. No zero on the panic props scale. Props to you, Johnny. Props to you for being publicly just hyper delusional. That's honestly <laughs> props for admitting that. No, he might be like delusional. and Twilight round out this roster very well. Before the Calius Twilight, I was a the lot GPs? more terrified. But now I'm like, okay, they got they got some redundancy in there. They got so I they're pretty well rounded. They have two tanks. They have three DPS. They have three supports. Really, if you have the budget to be able to sign the quality of players that they have and all of that there, uh, that's good. All right, the next point that needs to come in here is, and this has happened not as much in Overwatch, but when you... Well, I guess the only team that's ever done it is the San Francisco Shock. They have so many talented players that three very talented players are going to have to sit on the bench every single map and that's where a lot of frustrations can lie is all of a sudden maybe all of these guys want to play at any moment i don't know how they come like fix that and the reason if you aren't aware of why so many of us are worried about this team imploding is um when you have a lot of veteran players come together like quite late in their careers as well you can have a lot of egos come against each other you have as we said you have multiple championships you have some people who have been all-stars every year they've been in the league that can create a lot of tension, especially if the team doesn't succeed early. I think this team needs to succeed early and can't have too many issues early. Otherwise, they might start having issues. All right. Can I start making up fan excuses at this point? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah you go. All right. Why? Here we go. I don't, wait, wait, wait. I want to jump in here. I Am I... Did I hit my head or something? Supreme's not coaching this team. Why the fuck are we pretending like this is the justice curse anymore? Supreme's not coaching this team. Well, He'll be yeah, a yeah, justice GM. curse. I no, it's not, not we're not saying it's Supreme. I'm just saying it has a lot of the, the semblances of Washington, right? Like there's there are some pieces there, and yeah, like you know, uh, dude, it's just oh man, you just can't I, ignore the last couple of years of history, bro. Like I, I, but what, what, I want to be on the Johnny train so fucking hard, but I. If I was to like full in support Boston this year, which I know a lot of people fucking were, there are a lot of Boston fans out there and seeing this roster, I'd be like, hell, fuck yes, this is sick. But like, Striker, maybe leaving the team, Decay, like flying home or like, you know, doing something strange and not wanting to play or like, you know, all the fucking rumors that come out when he was on Washington Justice. Like, I would just be a little bit fucking nervous. I think 
well, like I said, I want to be on kind of Johnny's side of this thing, but I just find it so difficult to believe that something is just not going to happen. It's going to be fucking rosy until, uh, you know, grand finals, playoffs, they make it all the way there. Like, I just do. And what added on top of that was what Scott said. There's a lot of talent here. Those motherfuckers on the bench, they're going to want fucking playtime. And I think one of the least volatile members in that situation was like Twilight when he was coming into like Voskar Industries to play Ana. And when they needed him, he was probably one of the least volatile members um, or like not volatile. No, but, but like, that's exactly it, Josh. That's, that's exactly it, problem. all right? What do you mean? What, what, are you, what are you worrying about? Twilight, he's been in this situation before. He's been around I mean, the scene for, the for ages now. That was the San Francisco Shock. That was a team yeah. that won a championship Dude, the previous year. he's backing up Lee Jigon and Isayaki, yeah, what all right? Fucking but, okay, does it, do you think Twilight. That's my point. I'm not fucking worried about him. I'm worried about the DPS. By all accounts, or well, a, 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 a pretty biased account, Striker is like PMA now. He's, he, you know, oh, he yeah. just needs well, to be peaceful. Yeah, yeah. He needs to fucking sing, you know, songs and just be like a I great fucking to, teammate. I, I don't and like this narrative. I don't like this narrative. I'm, I'm, like, I'm making it up. I am board. creating it as we go, Custa. No, I am peddling it. I was there when we heard that as well, okay? And there is a difference between coming into a team, which you think you are, like, you know, the Boston Uprising when he joined them last year. Let's all remember that, right? He joined a team oh, where come he, on. he thought You he can't better. compare this team to last year. PMA. He just joined our championship you know, title team in the San Francisco Shock late in the season. Of course I'm going to be PMA. He just got paired with one of the best players that ever touched the game. Like, of course he's going to be positive. It's a different scenario when you join a team and you have that expectation to be the guy compared to joining and just being like, oh yeah, you Birdie know, I'm just happy retired. to be here. He's just happy to be here. Decay, he doesn't even want to fucking play half the time. There's going to be no issue. It's like trying to figure <laughs> oh out who's going to be the two damage players yeah. of this team. They'll fucking <laughs> rotate, just wake up and be like, ah, sorry, I don't want to play oh. this hero. Go on. Yeah, no, you, go ahead, please. You play the game, sir. No, no, you. And it just, there's going to, there's going to be the opposite of ego. There's just going to be, the, please let me sit the bench and be successful without me. I'm so excited oh, to watch this team. I don't I, think any of us are right. Carlos so is just happy to, to be there. He's like, team. what am I doing here? I was under justice. I don't understand the narratives of this team. I'm going to be honest. I don't get the narratives. I, I don't see the justice comparisons other than Pre and Supreme are like attached, but they're like... And Kalios and Decay. Yeah, but also like Kalios has been great. Decay, like we still don't know the truth about Decay. <laughs> about like we still, we still don't, don't know, know the truth we still don't know like honestly i haven't yeah, we literally don't from that, the yeah. grapevine i've never heard anything talks about decay other than this time and fuel when justice it, i never really knew if this was a decay issue or like this was a weird supreme issue or like decay and supreme coming together be like decay i don't want to play this hero and supreme's like okay sure we won't do this or like supreme i want you to do this like we really don't know exactly what's gone wrong with decay specifically since like the fuel right like and kalios is great i i, I honestly don't I have like no trepidation about this roster. Uh, the only the, the thing I have the thing I'm no. worried about at all uh, literally is striker. That's it. I'm only worried about striker. That's the only person I'm worried about. That's mm. it. Because I like hope Supreme, you're, I, I hope you're right. I, that's it. Yeah, I, I don't I, really do. I don't I don't see where the narratives are coming from here because like I can understand this entirely. If you told me, hey, Supreme's built this new roster, Supreme's the head coach again, I'd be like, holy fucking god damn it! Like you can't have done this again. And he's like, oh, he's assistant GM. I'm like, oh, okay. Do you think he's gonna just okay. be hands off as assistant GM? No, he's an assistant GM. He's not just gonna be happy sitting there in his office, like drinking his coffee, like, mm, yes, very content with the roster I built. He's gonna be hands on, especially if that's he's how free if he's hands on. Well. If 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 this roster 
explodes through a history of like some crazy terrible mismanaged subs and meta decisions and like players just leaving and stuff i will make this bet right now i'm not saying this is going to happen i'm just saying if it does if this roster gets in seriously mismanaged the pre-supreme connection is the most virulent awful <laughs> gm coach connection in like the history of the overwatch league like it isn't if this happens i'm not saying it's going to happen because supreme moving into this this isn't gm role we don't exactly know what his status is going to be it could be a much better fit for him but if it falls apart then i will say this is one of the worst like like connections ever had in the overwatch league if this roster falls apart does it so, not make you nervous that all three of their dps players have pseudo retired from overwatch at some point in the last few years how did the K pseudo retire? Well, he decided to not play for a season. What? And then like, <laughs> like, he, like with Dallas, he was like, I refuse to play. And then let's not forget the kickoff clash of the Washington Justice just this year, where it was a tracer meta and Decay just was like, didn't play in the during the playoffs. But once again, I still am unsure exactly what that, see comparatively to like the fuel situation where I have a much, I have much more information on that issue. I don't have, it seems kind of, unclear which direction the yeah, decay and, was but the that's, that's why i so. say pseudo retire like i'm not saying that like decay is the most toxic player, but like there is question marks around all three dps sure. players murdering less so right but like he obviously yeah, definitely left I mean, overwatch recently uh yeah, yeah. and then went to apex and he's just coming back right with overwatch too like i'm not saying that all of them are gonna retire or that they're all like massively volatile in that way it's just there's so many of those just like pieces like we're talking about like the three dps players we're talking about pre we're talking about supreme we're talking about you know how many superstar players they have who's gonna play that there is more questions being asked on this roster than any other roster in the league of concerns that could happen maybe they dodge all of them and, and so you know everything what is good. you know what with all those questions the most important question that we haven't talked about really yet is they need answers to those questions. And that will have to come to the coaching staff. And that will have to be Dong Su, who was not with the Shanghai Dragons for a year. This is his first head coaching job. And as proven repeatedly, especially the last couple of years, having a great coaching staff, I'm talking not the one head coach, I'm talking about the staff, like a fucking collective of coaches helping these teams out is so fucking important for the outcome of the results and how successful they are. The fact that they only have one single head coach announced, to my knowledge right now, in Dongsu, who is a first-time head coach, and Supreme is an assistant GM who will, you know, I'm not going to rule out. I'm not going to rule out that, like, if things start going wrong in stage one, Supreme is like, what buttons can I press? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah, how, yeah. you know, you got my finger on the pulse, ah, I got this itch, I gotta wake up and, like, at least give, like, an opinion or a thought, provided to Dongsu and, you know. It, 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 I would have been so much more tremendously inspired and excited about this roster had the head coach been Rush, had it been Moon, had it mm. been Krusty. But the fact is we have a first-time head coach with no assistant coaches announced to this team. And then you have like Supreme waiting in the wings as like an assistant GM. But I don't, so. I don't mind Supreme as an assistant GM, like as a supportive role as much, because it could be a much better position for him. It's just clear that his, he did, yeah, was not no, handled yeah, to be a totally, head coach. Absolutely. Yeah. But Dongsu needs assistance in this. I, yeah. I, I, there's so much shit to this roster. Good shit. There's so much good shit to this roster that you need like multiple sure. staff yeah. members to help I, I out. I think that is out. by far the most valid criticism is Dongsu had a year break and has not been a head coach before. And this is like, now that sounds like a pre-moment. 
when like when we talk about building a coaching staff is like ooh, we have gotten the guy that's never head coach for this insanely stacked roster with some potentially turbulent you know personalities that is like a okay this is a classic free does a lot of things great some the every every time the only criticism i've ever had of him is his coaching staff selections and his staff selections for building his rosters so i'm hoping that changes this year because if that remains stable, I think this roster should be really good. I think this roster could, should compete for like a top three spot in the Overwatch League if their staff is good. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And, and, and again, Costa is the only person in this call who's had any interactions with Dongsu and knows anything about him. But yeah, he benched me. So. Oh, oh no. Oh, I, I got nothing wrong with the guy. Like, you know, I, I, honestly, like, yeah, he was a big proponent of, like, yeah, maybe we should play Kugi, but I got nothing wrong. He's a, he's a smart guy. Like, he is a smart guy. He, I think he did a lot of good things to Shanghai Dragons. I think he is very analytical as a head coach. The thing that does concern me about him is he was he was a quiet guy when I was on that team. Obviously, he's a Korean guy. He didn't speak much English when he joined, when he was on the roster. So it's hard to really do that. But how is he going to navigate that question of like, as you said, veteran presences, a lot of players who, who have worked with some of the best coaches in the world. Is Dongshu going to be able to command that respect from these players? And that's going to be something that we don't have the answer to uh, for a little bit. So I agree with your point, Johnny. To, um, yeah, to draw a parallel, I think this team with all the stars they have on this team and all the questions, this team needs like a get amazed, an assistant coach. It does not need a J-Mac. It does not need like the fucking mm. massive brain, big brain coach to like iron out the compositions, what compositions are we going to play? What are going to be like the rotations we're going to do? They need like a mentor and a father figure and someone to look up to, to figure out who is going to play and how to get along and how do all these people like gel with each other. And I'm not saying that Dongsu can't do it because clearly I don't know anything anything about the guy. I have no I have no insight. Zero. Like literally making it up what it what his philosophy is. I have zero insight whatsoever. But it, that is a question for concern and something that my responsibility as an analyst of this team is, or not this team, but of the Overwatch is to figure out how Dongsu is going to figure that stuff out and how he's going to approach coaching this team and, you know, what kind of, like, personality he'll bring as a head coach because that is going to be massively important for the success of the Boston Uprising. Well, so um, we can speak to this. As, oh, sorry, Gary, I want to hit one last Yeah, point go for because, it. Because, like, about the coaching point, is like, me and you were in there. Uh, we were actually fortunate enough uh, from Dallas Fuel in the playoffs going into that uh, playoffs. We were able to actually sit in in a scrim with Dallas and, you know, talk to Tasmo, watch how they were coaching. You need a coach. The thing that makes Rush so good is he is literally watching Sparkle play. Sparkle's playing incredibly well. He is he is popping off. He's one of the best players in the thing. They finish that scrim or like they finish a map. Rush just tears into Sparkle. And Tasmo says he does that all the time. You need a head coach that's willing to tell these veteran players, these great players that you can't do that. That shit's wrong. Or that's another thing. That's Dongsu's job, right? He has... He has to go against these players who are some of the best to ever play the game, and he needs to be willing to give them feedback, and those players need to be willing to take that feedback from him as well. And, and sometimes that won't even be like, hey, you messed up on this match. You shouldn't have done this on this match. Sometimes that will be like for like a stage or a two being like, sorry, man, you're benched, but you have to believe in us. You have to believe in this team, and you have to stay motivated, and you have to practice, and you have to be continue to be a part of this team. That's one hell of a difficult fucking question or like topic to address. When you have a, a a roster of this caliber and with this much you know star player potential and stuff like that so um anyway holy shit he, i he did sorry just really quick go for it no take your time he actually, bro. He actually, it's the fucking off season i'm not doing shit that's true yeah <laughs> he actually coached twilight 
um, Hong Kong box, which is uh, I was looking through his <laughs> the Kong box connection. Twenty sixteen. Yeah, like, I'm digging into fucking connection. archives. Bro. I'm like I'm curious. I was just curious. Also, do you know that team? Like, around, uh, it was Gamsu, Zumba, Twilight, uh, the Hell, Myunghoon, and Liz. Um, obviously, none of them now play the game. Um, Twilight, obviously, being one of the oldest players to ever be still around. But yeah, what I don't know. He? I just thought. No, 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 not all this. Sorry, he's he's been around for the longest. I didn't oh, right, right. Um, he's been around for the longest. Uh, he is, but he is twenty four though. Um, so yeah, actually, he might be one of the oldest players in the league. To be fair, God, hopefully not at twenty four. Average, well, you know, the average age of Watch League is pretty low. It's uh, going down, it, dude. It's been going it down. Go down quick. because seventeen now is yeah, uh, yeah. the minimum well, age, not eighteen. Which is so. Uh, no, I just, I just thought it was quite interesting that he he ended up coaching Twilight. He's coached some like fairly big names that have been around. Up until like recently and shit too, like Architect, OG, um, Asher, obviously Asher left quite late. Um, Lastro, he coached Lastro as well. Rush has been around the bar. Cool. No, not Rush. I'm talking about Dongsu. Oh, Dongsu, um, right. Yeah, Dongsu. Uh, Dongsu coached uh, Twilight. And... I know it's just like ancient history at this point, and like it doesn't really have any relation, but I thought I'd just quickly check it out. And he had, he's at least coached one of the players before. Um, yeah, but yeah, which is interesting. It's just quite cool. So obviously, he's been around for a long fucking time, and it's quite interesting. You mentioned that Scott that he was like obviously didn't really speak much English when he was on Valiant, so it was like he came across as a, a quieter guy. So I'm curious if that's obviously changed since that was like 2019. Um, so yeah, um, obviously coming up to a team like this with a lot of big fucking names, another it's it is another like oh shit like the ego kind of veteran player mentality is that really gonna kind of affect this team i'm not sure um yeah i'm yeah i'm rooting for him we'll see what happens yeah i mean this roster is like a moral story this roster should be i this roster should be good this roster should, should be, be top good. two bro it should moment. be good if this falls apart then i mean my god my god this is far worse <laughs> this is a god. supercharged justice situation this is, is this yeah. is a supercharged justice if this if this were to fall through but i don't think we should be i think we should not frame this in the light of just just because pre and supreme are attached to it because it's like different roles different team different players so i think it's like it, it only should be framed that way if it falls apart in which case then <laughs> we can draw the connection <laughs> wait here's the thing i I, I I agree that it's not the Washington justice. It just like I think the the vibe. It's it's not even just the people involved. It's the vibes of like this roster on paper is theoretically incredible. Um, with the same people somewhat at the helm. So it's like it just it just worries me under that thing. But like, there's no reason to think this this team is going to blow up. I just think it's going to be a fun roster. Like this is legendary players we've been watching for the last five years right like they're all coming together these are the crossovers we've always wanted we'd love i'm gonna see birdering and decay play together bro like we're gonna see decay and birdering face off oh, you know like there's so much history that is go going to become together in this roster and that's that's what you should be excited about obviously we're creating drama because that's what we do here on plant chat no analysis <laughs> just memes speculation um, speculation <laughs> and dumb stuff but overall regardless of whether you know, think it's going to be good or it's going to be bad it's it's awesome for the league to have rosters like this. yeah yeah it's true i mean it's a dream roster it's a dream roster and it's rare that we um we get we get these things we had a few more topics lined up for the show but we're starting to go long so i think uh you know it's a long off season so we'll save a couple of those topics uh for a later day if that's fine with you guys um yeah 
Can you say what they are just so the fans can be like, show up next time and we'll talk about this. Show up next time where we talk about Shanghai Dra Dragons re-signing Coach Moon. What does that mean for Shanghai Dragons prospects going into the new year? Also, New York Excelsior. Rumor has it they're, that they're continuing to pursue a marginalized gender roster for the 2023 season. What is that going to look like? And in the middle of the offseason, create a rumor season. Who is going to unverifiably just tweet out this player is going to that team next? And who do we think is going to go where? We'll create our own rumors on this show, as we always do in the next episode of Platchat 159. Tune in next Tuesday at 10 a.m. PST for the conclusion of those topics and our thoughts. I was going to uh, say, we do that last one anyway. We create rumors every single fucking day. And Jake retired. Anyway, uh, yes. Yeah, so that, we'll those are the topics lined up, time, and, right? and there's more topics lined up. Yeah, I'm very excited about those topics, guys. That's going to be fun. Um, and oh, then, yeah. Then we'll create some more stuff. Uh, so there you have. Uh, there you have it. Profit going to Vancouver Talents. Great job. That's a first. That's a first. Create a rumor. That's a great example. <laughs> guys, there everyone, create your own rumors in chat, and then <laughs> yeah. we'll react and then to post the it on Twitter. Rumor. We'll retweet them. <laughs> we'll react <laughs> to great. the best rumor. Uh, 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 all right, all right. Uh, Brent's player of the week, quickly. Uh, last time, I think we gave it to Pre, actually. Did we not? No. We did. did no, we? no. Did we give it to Pre? I can't remember. We gave it yeah, to we Pre did, because that's when they announced the initial yeah. Boston roster, wasn't it? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, for Christmas. Oh, yeah, 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 after Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um... It annoys me, because I actually had a name in mind, and now I've forgotten about it, because I knew it came up with it yesterday. God damn it. Um... I can't think We're of, not uh, giving it to Jake, chat. Just so, like, no. you know that. We're not giving yeah. it to Jake. Ja I, listen, Jake, he's had enough. He's had his chance. He's had his chance. He's done. I'm tired of this guy retiring, unretiring, casting, not casting. Okay, he's going to have to pick a lane eventually. He needs to pick a lane before we can start getting <laughs> awards again. Um, fuck, man. I don't know. Who would be a good, good player oh, to pick? It has to be something fusion related, right? Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, congrats. Can we give it to the logo designer of the Soul Inferno? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like no. Bad what? Bad Congratulations for Bad Patrick for, for what? Killing, killing, the killing the org. Killing the fusion. Oh, he did kill. That's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They finally did it. They finally did it. Why not? Yeah, sure. honestly, I'm down. Give it to Bad Patch Also, Bad Patch Mario can get a shout out for all the great memes and content they create throughout the season. That as is well. true, yeah. Bad Patch Mario, I, I think, is a little bit, uh, you know, synonymous with the Fusion. I, Bad Patch Mario did a fantastic job representing Fusion fans everywhere, um, creating unique original content relating to the Fusion brand, and re re really, re really created a Twitter page where Fusion could go and cry and weep about their second places together. Did a fantastic job. Thank like you so AA much, Bad Patch Mario. Philadelphia Fusion fans, so. Good. Good. No, that's good. I like that. Bad Pachamari, Brands Player of the Week in uh, Flat Chat, episode 158. We love you so much, Bad Pachamari. You're a gem in this community. Thank you so much for all the for all the work you do. All right. There you have it. What a fucking banger of an episode this was. I think this is one of the best episodes we've done in a long time. It was a pleasure chatting with you guys. Uh, yeah, what are fun. you going to do for the next week? There's nothing lined up. Hey, I have week. to work. There's only one extreme. thing I do every day, all day, and that's play ranked. So, oh, yo. Thanks.
Me and Jaws, we have an open division team. Oh, yeah, team. I saw We're that, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Shake, baby. Probably no screams. We're just going to jump in. Just like we'll do a live. Let's see how it goes. Fucking rock and roll, dude. I can't wait to smack down some diamond teams that get rolled by contenders players. Yeah. So there you go. Follow Jaws and because that's going to uh, open division team. What, what is it called again? Uh, Earnings check. <laughs> Earnings check. You yeah. yeah. make money wow. somehow in the offseason. Uh, uh, yeah. Fucking Josh tweeted out the other day. For some reason, he was on my Overwatch Liquipedia and it says that I've earned $5. And I'm like, damn, Big. I fucking hope Impressive. it was more than that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hey, bro, easy game, baby. So, yeah, Earnings check. $5. I'm gonna double those winnings. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Great job. Great job. All right. <laughs> Tune into the Open Division team. We'll see you next Tuesday for more Plat Chat goodness. Uh, take care, everybody. Happy New Year. And I hope you have a great 2023. Goodbye, everyone. Happy New Year.